Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And you know, it's, it's nice to have that original music back again. Like we rotate once a year on our anniversary and this, I think this is the first time we've gone back to the well for the, like the truest version of our intro. That's the one we had for what, like three years back in the day? Yeah, oddly nostalgic. Yeah, weirdly so. Well, I mean, it's, it's Game & Watch music, so in the most literal sense, it's as nostalgic as you can get. Yeah, not only that, but I feel like none of the music we've had after that has ever been quite as good as that one, in the sense that I feel like that one, when I hear it, it always just says, like, random Nintendo podcast to me, even though it was Game & Watch, I feel yeah. like the podcast, at one point, just owned that track. Even when I hear it in Smash Brothers, I think of our podcast before it it's true watch. we own it so much we get royalties every time it's played in smash bros it's yeah. that much ours even, even to the the people around us like oh when we were playing smash bros that song came up and he's like oh it's your podcast and well, I, I think you mean he was like oh it's your podcast why would he be sad about that he'd be thrilled like all our listeners in the past six years he would be thrilled to hear our podcast at least that's why i tell myself to sleep at night but anyway um yeah, we're calling this episode Let's Get Physical because it is our sixth anniversary show and it's time to take that podcast relationship up to next. No, it's, we're really calling it because there's, um, board games to talk about. We are doing something a little different this episode in that we have impressions of three physical, tangible, real world Nintendo games, Clue, The Legend of Zelda Edition, the all original Super Mario Level Up board game, and a card game called Super Mario Power Up. And best of all, we're not just talking about them, we are also giving them away along with an eShop gift card for our anniversary. In all, it's nearly $100 in prizes that one person's going to walk away with. So don't miss the end of the show because we're going to have details on how to enter and all that. Um, before all that, though, there's, of course, the video game side of Nintendo to discuss. And rather fittingly, as we head into the holidays, it's a whole lot of multiplayer games. We have impressions of a slew of Switch games, including Versus Deluxe, Astro Duel Deluxe, Super Beat Sports, and Monopoly for Switch. Plus news on even more Switch games with a uh, multiplayer slant like Splatoon 2 and ARMS and Super Bomberman R, which all received some pretty hefty updates this past week or so. And on top of that, a couple um, Switch sales numbers, some rumors of a new Mario movie. It's a pretty pretty packed episode. So there are timestamps around town.com. If there's anything specific you want to hear, you can go to the blog post for this episode to do so, as anyone who's ever listened knows by now. And as I mentioned, don't miss the end, because we're giving away a lot of things that you will want. So, uh, yeah, let's start with what I think I, what I like to call... The game update update. Um, because here's the thing with this first November for Switch. Just to find a, a cleaner name for it. The game update update? Game update squared? No, no. The game update date up, upper? We'll think of something, but I'm sure whatever you come up with will be... Um, I mean, let's be a, honest. Jason's an, an sales corner wasn't a good segment name it either. It is but I mean, like, yeah. I mean, we've just said it so many times that it just feels right. Like the name Random Nintendo, which in theory makes zero sense. And yet... Here we are on year six. You know what? Maybe I'm being too harsh on game. Game update update. update. Or fine. Game updates update. One is an S, one doesn't, because it's plural game updates in one update. This is probably the first and last time we're having this segment, so we might be nitpicking a little. But but just just to sort of set the scene here a bit, um, there's this thing going on with the Switch this year that's kind of interesting in that we we've talked about this before. We just kind of play things out a bit. This is the first November that Switch doesn't have a big single holiday release in November, right? Like, every Nintendo system up to this point had one. Even the 3DS this year has one with Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. That just came out last week. Uh, but with the Switch, there's this one-two punch going on where there's third-party games uh, getting a chance to shine. And then Nintendo's pushing its previously released Switch games in tandem with that. And part of that push of these older Switch games is, it turns out, these huge major updates of free content that all just kind of came cascading out in the past week. 
and we kind of, we kind of saw it coming. Like you may recall last episode, uh, we talked about how Nintendo's president Takashi or his first name's not Takashi, is it? I just totally blanked out. Kimishima. Oh, Kimishima. Yeah, what was his first name? Is it Takashi? That sounds right. Yeah, maybe it's Takashi. I think I'm dying myself. But anyway, Kimishima was uh, saying that part of their holiday strategy this year is specifically steady updates to existing games, namely Splatoon and Arms, as we're going to talk about. And his argument went that by releasing additional content for his games now, it now only brings them back into the limelight for new Switch owners who weren't around when they first got released over the summer, but also provides new things for existing owners to do, which will keep them more engaged with their consoles in general, and that, generally speaking, can lead them to buy more games because they're more in the Switch world at that point. So, sure enough, we got the updates. And what I think is surprising me and why I said all this to kind of lead into it is um, these updates are actually rather big, like significantly bigger than I thought they would be. I interpreted his comments to mean like, oh yeah, the weekly weapons in Splatoon will continue, or oh hey, here's a new guy in arms. But in both cases, there is more than just that, which is kind of a nice thing to see, a nice surprise. I think Splatoon 2 is probably benefiting the most in terms of how much pure like stuff is being added to the game. I mean, if I were to just rattle off the numbers, it simply sounds massive. Like, here we go. There's 140 new pieces of gear, four new stages, five if you count the new one in uh, Salmon Run. There's four new hairstyles, two new bands, each with their own set of songs, new amiibo functionality, entirely new rank battle mode, quality of life, t- life tweaks that include the ability to finally, finally change gear between matches without exiting lobby, and the ability to not just rank up to level 99 instead of 50, but to then do a whole second level uh, series of 99 levels with a little star next to your name. So you basically have up to 200 levels now. All of that for free. That's a fair amount. That's a lot. Like, that's significantly more than I think I... I don't know how much you expected Splatoon to have, but to me, that seems like a lot more than I what mean, we would have gotten. To In be one fair... To it's be fair. staggered. I mean, it's staggered, but I mean... That's all stuff that's already in other shooting games, like, already included. For the most part, like... Just the sheer number of stages. Like, I mean, Splatoon... Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Splatoon is, like, catching up to what would what I would still consider, like... It's price point. Like, right now, Splatoon has enough stuff to keep me, I guess, entertained, but not... I still wouldn't say it's worth mm, mm-hmm. the money I paid for it. Same thing for ARMS. Like, eventually it will, but, I mean, like, just look at, um... Like, a game like Overwatch. Like, it's kind of in the same boat. It's getting stages, like, every other month. It's getting characters every other month. But they've also already had the whole, like, oh, you rank up to... I don't know, I think it's 100, and then you start over, but with a little star next to your name. Then yeah. you get two stars and three stars, but whatever. I mean... It's so nice that Splatoon is getting these things. Yeah, I think I think in the split, I think what caught me off guard is this, in the Splatoon bubble, in the Nintendo bubble, this is significantly more than they needed to do or told or telling us they were going to do. Maybe they needed to in a more broader Did sense. The but original like, get this? Not in this. Not it got new stages. It got I mean, it it, they rolled out the battle modes. You know the rank battle modes over a period of time. But I I guess my point is I didn't think going into the holidays we would oh. go from. A weapon here, a weapon there to boom like 30% more content across the board for the whole game or so. But, but no, yeah, in the larger, in the grand scheme of things, if you're looking at outside of the Splatoon bubble, it's potentially expected. It's getting there, yeah. It's really close, I would say, if not already there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in there, honestly. Like, even, even if it's still playing catch up, there is a lot. Like, to break it down a bit, I mean, what Why Route Off was all part of mostly one update that came on Thanksgiving. It includes Salmon Run's new map, which is a Salmonid Smoke Guy. Smoke Yard, Smoke Guy. Smoke Yard. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing that with all the gear, with all the hair, with all the music. And then in, over the next few weeks, we're going to be getting a new map in standard battle mode, probably like once a week or so for the next few weeks. Um, 
It started with one called Mako Mart, which is fittingly for Black Friday, which is when it became available, a giant supermarket. Which, by the way, if you're wondering, yes, it was intentional that they did a shopping location on Black Friday. The developer said so in an interview with The Verge. But, uh, yeah, it's just they're, they're doing it in a way that's not just like, hey, here's a bunch of new stuff, go have fun, but they're smartly staggering the maps. So you have a reason not just to come back once or twice, but to come back multiple times within the whole entire holiday season. Because right after this, right after Mako Mart, they're rolling out a second map called uh, Schellendorf Institute, which as far as I can tell from the footage is the Smithsonian of Inkopolis, basically. And then after that, they're rolling out two so of the, the original of Splatoon the museum maps. that we play on the outside of? Probably, Cause perhaps. Because there is a museum stage, but you're on the courtyard and on the outside. It's court. probably the inside, yeah. And then for more world building, they're bringing back Which is Walleye Warehouse. Which from the museum stage from the original game that had the spinning yes. revolving... Yes, this one does not have that. This one seems long and narrow by comparison. Oh yeah, but this one, yeah. It, it looks cool. It looks interesting. Yeah, and then after that, we get Walleye Warehouse and Arwana Mall from the original Splatoon. Yeah. So, it's a lot of maps. I mean, I... You're more of the Salmon Run connoisseur than me. How's Salmonid Snake Yard or whatever it's called? Smoke Yard. Compared to the other stages, it's really small. I mean, there also aren't as many gimmicks as the other ones, I guess I would say. Interesting. I mean, well, I, don't know, I guess by gimmicks, I mean just like, um, like there's one stage that has like a bunch of giant walls and that w- I would consider that like it's itch stick or it has like a lot of like floating I guess platforms where you can easily fall into the water if you're not careful with your jumping. Like this one is just mm-hmm. almost like a self-contained landmass with a little stream going through the middle, which you can definitely fall into if you're not careful. But other than that, it's very basic, which I which I personally like. It's just another map that is it's the battlefield of. It, it's great for veterans and even better for people that are just starting to get into the game, which I feel is almost maybe what they were going for with this November release with a lot of people maybe getting the game now. Yeah, now that the attention's on it again. Yeah, yeah. same thing with Mako Mart. Like, it's almost the same the same exact thing. It's a very small stage, very low, yeah, very low obstacles. Yeah, like mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, everything you could either, you can jump and shoot over. You can jump over them, but nothing is pretty high end. There's no, like, full wall to yeah. ceiling, floor ceiling walls or anything? Yeah, exactly. And... Yeah. No real gimmicks to speak of, especially not like no conveyor belts, nothing weird. I mean, there's maybe like, there's one, um, I guess, ink track that you mm-hmm. could go on, but other than that, yeah, I just, they're, they're very newbie friendly and veteran, I guess, competitive friendly too. But. In, in the case of Makomar, I, or Makomar, or however you say it, I, I just love the, um, all the shoppers that look completely perplexed that this is happening around them. Like they're literally there with their ch- there's like families of them with shopping carts and stuff and they just look bewildered. It's I know they've done similar things in the mall and whatnot, but still it's it's for some reason that I really like that. It's it's that and birds that fly away as you approach them in video games that seem to just get my attention the most. I don't know, but yeah, I, I like the design of um Make a Mart Mac a Mart. Yeah, but other than that, I mean there isn't really much to say. Yeah, I mean they're basically yeah. they're maps, but but it's cool that they have these coming out now and like I said the other one's staggered. And then in mid December comes the biggie which is an entirely new ranked battle mode called clam uh, clam blitz and this actually seems different from everything else in splatoon which is kind of refreshing oh well let me rephrase everything else in ranked battle mode which is kind of refreshing in that um instead of trying to seize control of something specific and working together as a collective to control that thing it's about scoring individually scoring and together building a higher score so how it works is that the levels are going to be scattered with clams 
it's up to players to grab them, take them back to a basket near the enemy's base, and throw the clams into the basket. So there's like hints of salmon run in here, kind of. Well, it's more like, um, yeah, it's like salmon run yeah. and, um, that one, um, the one with the golden fish. I already forgot what it's called, but the one where you have the giant fish that you have to, like, oh, pretty much capture. It's pretty much the yeah, same yeah. thing, except there's only one point, and once you take it over there, you win. Yeah, which is, again, kind of more of a collective effort while this one, everyone's doing their own thing. Because the thing with the clams yeah, yeah, is... Yeah, multiple people could be doing it simultaneously. Right, and the thing with the clams is not only do you just throw them in, but you actually need a minimum of 10 in order to ha- get what's called a power clam. And if I understand correctly from Nintendo's press release, which is a little weirdly worded, this you need this power clam to break the barrier that then lets you throw the clams in. So you need to first get at least 10, then go over and dump them in. And when you have all 10, they fall behind you in a trail. So you're kind of a beacon to other players from the other team of oh this guy's a lot of clams this guy doesn't and if they spot you and kill you or if they spot you people don't die in splatoon um then they can steal those clams from you so there's that sort of back and forth going on simultaneously so yeah it's kind of like the giant fish if everyone had their own giant fish they needed to do simultaneously and and it's, it's just kind of cool because like i in that same verge interview i was reading um the Develop the producer of the game was saying that up to this point, every ranked battle match they've done has been some sort of modeled after the idea of like a team sport, like rugby or football or soccer. Maybe not necessarily in how you do it, but it's always about like getting the thing, like the fish or the rainmaker or like the most turf. It's oh, that's what it was, rainmaker. Yeah. Oh, which is the fish. Oh, yeah. It's a fish. I don't remember being a fish in the first one. It's it was a fish. It's just a golden fish. Ah, uh, yeah. It's the right. golden statue of a fish. Right. That doubles as a giant bazooka. See, I remember the bazooka. That's what. But I that's was. but it wasn't the shape of a fish. fish. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so, so perfect. So Rainmaker. So, so if it's not a fish, it's a tower. Yeah, if it's not fish, it's a tower. It's not a tower. It's turf. Whatever it is, you collectively are doing this thing to achieve a unified goal. And then this one, the word he used to describe it was plurality, and everyone's kind of off doing their own thing, but it's all to, it's all for the same greater good of reaching a hundred points first. So it's a little less coordinated than other Splatoon modes, even you know compared to Salmon Run, which. Is kind of a similar idea that you're collecting things, but you need to coordinate to fight the hordes of enemies. So it, it it's a nice change of pace. I mean, there I think the parallels to Salmon Run are kind of strong, but we'll see how it actually plays out. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds very fun, but it, and it's different, but maybe not as different as it seems once you turn around and look at Salmon Run. But nonetheless, it should be cool. And it's free, so I yeah. Well, I mean, well, I guess we'll have impressions in mid December. There's no specific date, but mid December is all they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. Although I will say, speaking of that Verge interview, I also thought it was interesting to read that the developers are anticipating that these updates, the modes, the maps, the gear, will carry Splatoon until around February or so. This puts Splatoon's next major or update, or really all their major updates, on kind of like a four-month cycle, it seems. Because, you know, we got the first one four or five months after launch. We're getting the next one, let's say, February or March. And uh, if that's the case, like that's kind of what they're pointing to. And it kind of matches up with... Um, this idea that all the clothing they're doing in the game now follows seasons, like real fashion. So right now this is the winter season of clothes available, and then they'll do the spring season and the summer season, et cetera, et cetera. So they've so far committed to a full year of updates. So I suspect the March, February, March one will probably be the last, as of now, official one. But they are looking into things beyond the year. So for now, we got one more big update coming, most likely. They haven't outright said it, but it's implied. And then presumably if Splatoon continues to be the beast it is in Japan, I assume we'll see one in summer and then one in fall or in winter or something like that. But in terms of what they mapped out from day one, we have one more thing coming our way, it sounds yeah, like. And that's not counting the, did it say two years of Splatfest or was it just... No, yeah, years? that's not counting the Splatfest, which I think are two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is strictly new content packages. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, so beyond Clam Blitz, I think we'll... Because I feel like almost after... 
I mean, like the the updates are always great, obviously, but I mm-hmm. feel like um, it really does feel like after like when they're done with Splatfest, like that's when Splatoon dies. Yeah, kind of how in the original Splatoon, like after the end of the last Splatoon with Marie versus Callie, it just felt like oh, I guess that's and that's yeah. the game. Like, yeah, oh, but, the game but, is still going. Like, like you still play the game, but yeah. not uh, that game is over. The the difference there is that's because the Wii or the the Switch was right around oh, the yeah. corner. Like I think this one, I mean, they're they're this is literally the game's a service model through and through. So I would be shocked if Nintendo, especially with how well it's doing in Japan, if Nintendo just like, well, we hit our year quota. All right, time for some Splatfest. Okay, Splatfests are done. Great. Everyone keep buying your game for three more years of the Switch's life. We are not going to update it. Like, I don't see that necessarily happening. Although, granted, that's what every Evergreen title is, Mario Kart, Mario. So they could yeah. just let it sit sagging. Except sit with the exception of Mario they never had to... Re- well, yeah, I guess even New Super Mario Bros. Wii U, they had to update with the Luigi U yeah. bundle. Yeah, so I mean, they might. I I I honestly think they're gonna continue it beyond just this year, but but we'll see. All I know is for now, minus Clan Blitz, we are, there's probably nothing to talk about with Splatoon until February or March when we get the next wave of updates. But yeah, I mean, it seems to be working. Like the idea of just having these little things boosted up, or not so little things in the case, maybe boosting it up. Like in Japan, on their eShop chart, it's already number five again as of Black Friday. It went up a couple positions, so. It's kind of working. We'll see if it works over here. I mean, Japan is a bigger game to begin with, but time will tell. Time will tell. Well, and while perhaps not as elaborate as uh, Splatoon's update, there's also Arms, which got its fair share of new stuff in its own 4.0 update. Uh, now, no, maybe it's just me, but I feel like Arms is updating at a faster rate now than it did initially. Like, I think they realize, oh crap, we need to pick up the pace. The game's not selling as quickly as we thought. Yeah, also. and they're adding more things with Her the update. character than just the character. Like, yes. It's been because we we went from slightly know, baby yeah, slight baby tweaks to to like full on 4.0 like big yeah. number update because I mean we went from the original update which I think was six weeks after the game came out was just Max Brass as and a playable his, character and his stage which and his is stage like, both of which are already in the game yeah exactly not, yeah we, we yeah. didn't really feel like enough to just felt like they were just like alright we're done tweaking him he's ready for play now alright here you go it was literally like we weren't ready in time yeah it was almost like oh whoops we forgot something here <laughs> but so they did that then we gave then we got a Lola Pop in September and that also came with achievements, replays, custom controls. Following that was... The funny thing is that maybe yeah. it's because those things were all things that people were like, why isn't this in the game? Why isn't this... They didn't this feel in- like updates. Yeah, yeah it didn't feel like we were... Yeah, exactly. They just felt like afterthought patches. Like, oh, man, like we like we had to rush this game. Yeah. Here you go, guys. Like, and I, to be honest, they probably did have to rush it. They really needed to hit that one game a month march or be of the drum that they did all this year with Switch. Yeah, which is now why like I feel like now with... Uh, I mean, like I like Lola Pops um, as a character. Um, but Mithango, I think this is. Him. Yeah. Um, I think this dude. is a, the, um, his, his, I don't know, I guess the way he plays his, um, his character, not his character design, but his play style, I feel is what's interesting about him. And he came with a lot of stuff, because you now have the character, you also have the new Temple Ground stage, you have a new type of arm in the form of poison, and it came with a new mode of sorts. But yeah, let's talk, let's talk about him, actually. So he's. He's, you made a great comparison to me when you're explaining him to me when you're, uh, the other day when we were playing it. He's the Shulk of Arms. Basically, yeah. Would you like so, to explain what you mean by that to people that weren't there for that conversation? Well, I mean, if you didn't play Shulk in Smash Brothers, he could just... Yeah, with, by just by pressing B and changing his the color of his weapon, he could change attributes about him. He could make himself heavier, lighter, faster, mm-hmm. stronger, just deal more damage but not kill as fast. And he's the same thing, except he only gets three different flavors. He gets blue, yellow, and red, meaning he has more mobility, better jumping, or... He could just tank hits like yeah. He, he basically auto block for a period of like, time. Like like the other heavies, like yeah. just like Master Mummy and um, oh yeah, Max the fl- the flinch resist. Yeah, the flinch yeah. resistance. Yeah, 
And to activate those, like, just like a lot of the other abilities, which I still, I mean, obviously get how it works. Like, you either hold your dash button, hold your jump button after jumping, or you hold your shield to charge your arms. That's how you mm-hmm. activate most abilities. But, I don't know, I guess just that mechanic, I don't know, I just can't really wrap my head around. It just doesn't feel intuitive to me, I guess. Part of it, I think, is because you don't get to do it right away. Which I realize, I, know, I realize right? it's there, so your opponent has a chance to A, see what you're about to do and be trying to stop because really arms is a mental outwit your opponents like outthink your opponent sort of game like it's kind of like super fast checkers or something or rock paper scissors yeah. really because it's a three it's a triangle but yeah it's a little weird because like you know you start the map you know what I think it is and then you have to wait till you charge up your attack or whatever or in the case of him I think if you dodge long enough or if you block long enough, then a beam comes down the cup of the color no. of your choice, and you walk into it, and that triggers it. Well, that, well, that's right. that that's yeah, his, uh, like, that's that's another layer too. I think, but basically, uh, what I think, I guess, kind of, I guess, not put doesn't put me one hundred percent on board with arms just yet. Is that whenever you have to charge those abilities, whether it's by jumping, dashing, or holding your shield, mm-hmm. is that it kind of just brings the game to a halt for me. Like you just kind of like, you kind of can't do anything until you charge up, like because everything yeah. is charging. But I guess to go back to Shulk, like you could. You could just stand in place and just like keep tapping B until you're the co- desired color you want, but Not you can also, Zonga, oh, yeah. But if you want, you can also like run around with them while doing like. There's like ways to be like creative and like to activate the powers while you're doing other things, which is what I really like. But with this arms, I don't know. Well, Shulk also has the advantage of like you said, you can hammer B a few times and rotate him yourself. Mizango, or how do you say his name? I think it's Mizango. Right? Oh yeah, because you can literally you have memorize. To... You can just count in your head like one, two, three, four. All right, cool. Right, and but Mizango, you have to. The, it, so his powers come from a, a little. Yeah, yeah, his powers come from a little mask that floats around him, and the mask on a timer rotates between the three, between red, yellow, blue, the three colors that do three abilities. So if you always want to use yellow, I think yellow is the last of the three, right? So if you always want to use yellow, which is the uh, auto block thing he has, that's the red one. Wait, what's yellow then? I thought yellow. I thought red, red was the, the flinch, and no, yellow was some sort of extended something. No, red is like the bull. That's just the one where you just walk in. He just won't take. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So if you wait till yellow, it's the last of the three. So you actually have to just stand there and wait for the little mask to go. Okay, now I'm blue. Okay, now I'm yellow. And I mean, we're talking seconds I mean, here, I mean, but it fair, adds up. Like if you're sitting there waiting to start, I can see why that would be annoying. Yeah. Oh no. Well, I meant the time like it takes to actually charge. Like when you come out of a dash, you have to just sit there and wait for your arms to get charged up. As well, opposed yeah. To... But at the same time, you also have to then time. Oh with, no. Well, with well, the cycling dude. Well, yeah. Because with Misango, like at least like. I guess the part that you do, you definitely have to be keeping track of, at least with him or even if you're his opponent, is that while he's running around, he, he could also just be throwing punches at you just to stop for time so that little spirit can get to the color well, that yeah, you want. Well, yeah, yeah. So there's that. But, but if it's the start of the match, you want to immediately launch into having no flinching mm-hmm. or whatever. You can't. You, can't, you literally can't. If you like the red ability with the bullhorns, great. That's the first one. You can do that as soon as you're charged, but you really have to wait for y'all. And again, it's, we're talking seconds, but still. It, yeah, the cool thing in a about, game like that, it matters. And as um, Jason mentioned earlier, like if if you go, if you activate his ability from a from a dash or a jump, you'll just get whatever color you happen to land on when mm-hmm. he's done charging. But if you do it from a block, you create that little cyclone in, in front of him, and that actually blocks a few hits. So Which it, is nice. So it's like a shield in front of your shield. So that means yeah. it could potentially block grabs. But if you want to, I guess, possess it, you have to like walk into it when I guess the, the time is the timing is right. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that like if you think about what he actually does as a character, his abilities themselves aren't unique. It's like just the way that he combines them are unique because other characters have all have different variants of these three abilities. It's nothing new. It's just the fact that they're smushed together with this they're one guy with a roulette wheel. Of... 
I don't know. I guess yeah. unique abilities for well, lack but of a then, better term. But then on the flip side, they have more interesting arms now. I mean, they introduced poison, and there's that little scorpion dude that like scurries. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, like yeah, the they, arms no, are better, but I, the yeah, abilities I, I, yeah, are worse. Yeah, the arms are getting yeah. really creative. But like even Lola pops. Um, like she inflates, but that's just cosmetic. I mean, all she's really doing is just blocking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so yeah, she could just block in the air, which no other character can do. But that doesn't really feel as exciting as like say. Um, Oh, I was going to call him DNA Man. Helix That's his Japanese name. It's not wrong. No, it's yeah. not fully right. <laughs> it's Helix, damn it. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, like, Helix, like, Helix is just, I mean, he just looks and, like, plays very differently. Like, he definitely feels like, whoa, like, what is this character? I just don't get it. Yeah, Helix is still my favorite character design in the whole game. Min Min's my favorite to use, but Helix is by far my favorite design. And I'm sorry, Mizongo, I get your... Uh, Latin American roots or Aztec roots or whatever they're going for Inca, I'm not sure, but like I get that, that's cool, but it's not as interesting as Helix yeah, or Bark and Bike. Feels like or... she was just designed specifically for competitive. Like, yeah, yeah. this is the this is the character you have to use if you want to get good. Also, but... ramen and ramen's delicious. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's I think the arms like that, yeah, that's yeah, I love that scorpion. I love that. Yeah, like, the Scorpio. Like a, I, think... I love that it like crawls on the ground and then jumps at your opponent if you throw it while grounded, and then it go, turns into a. Like a frisbee, if you do it once. Yeah, time. it turns to a little disc that yeah. comes back too. Um, and then there, the other two are the the bouncy one and the straight one. I think yeah, the bouncy the, one the is the glusher just... and the scully scholar. Skull? Yeah, the, Skull? the 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 bouncy one is just like all the other bouncy but ones. But with poison. Yeah, but with poison, which just means you take um, incremental damage and you can stack it. So if you hit them, like every few seconds, they'll just always be taking damage no matter what, which is always good. And I mean, the scully is even more direct than that. Literally, just fire straight ahead. Yeah, the Scully, that one is... Just a standard arm with poison Right, right now, it's just the fastest arm in the game. That yeah. arm is ridiculously fast. You could practically spam that one and just annoy the hell out of your opponent. But they're also lighter than the lightest arm in the game before it, they were ready. So yeah. literally anything can punch right through them. Yeah, I mean, it's literally just, sco- it's literally so it, just it, bones. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to pester with it, you don't. You definitely don't go double Scully. Or maybe you do. I don't but know. See, see, that's what I'm holding out hope for is that, so to your point about the abilities, it does seem like they're running out of ideas, which is unfortunate because they still have seven more characters, six more characters. Whatever that the leak was, like where the person that data mined the game and found all the uh, code names for characters, there's still like six or seven left. So I'm not quite sure what those special abilities were, but they introduced new types of arms like they did with Poison. That, to me, is a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the arms are really what make or break your specific strategy. Character yeah. has abilities, but it's really your combination of arms. That's the thing Nintendo keeps hyping up. Is there's thousands of combos. Like, that's where you can really come into your own versus... Yeah, that, that's definitely something you know, that... Which could be a I don't know, yeah, hindrance you, of the game. I'm not sure, but... No, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a positive. It's just hard to overlook the fact that there's only, I guess, now like 10 or 11 yeah. different flavors like of characters right but i mean yeah because the arms like i mean yeah the different comments do make them almost feel like you're finding a completely different character i mean some are super curvy some go straight some are wide mm-hmm. but i don't know yeah it, it just comes down to like if there's a character you really like you're gonna get behind it and if not then you're not gonna care yeah i mean that's all that's that's the make it or break it of fighting games like you have to really like a character to get invested in it right i don't really know anyone that plays a fighting game and doesn't at least like like or love the main that they're using like I don't yeah I don't know anyone I just play the fighting game just because of the purely just because of the mechanics or yeah. The, yeah which I mean to arms advantage it has very creative characters Mazongo may be generic in the world of arms but he still is a pretty standout 
character compared to other video game characters. Like, the whole ARMS crew has a very just, uh, distinct look to him. Yeah. Actually, Bazongo kind of looks like he would be in Overwatch or Team Fortress, but still, that look is still not, like, super common across all games. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, I never thought Springman or Ribbon Girl or Mechanica... I like Springman's blue cone and hair. Oh, I don't know. I just I just <laughs> thought they all looked... Or his toothpaste, take your pick. Not that interesting, I guess. Helix, though. Yeah, Helix definitely... Bark and Bite as well. Sort of. Less so. Yeah, I always... Um, have, I wished um, Bite's arms were like police tape or something. Oh, that would be good. Like, I'm not really sure what it's supposed to be. It looks like golden film reels. Maybe it is supposed to be police tape and they just have gold ones. No, no, but, but, but it literally looks like, like a film reel. Like, it uh. has, like, which is what I thought... Um, Twin Toe would have had, but they ended up going with hair because she's a movie star. Right, but it's always right. just her hair. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, characters and arms were kind of the, the headlining feature of the 4.0 update, right? Like Mazongo and Poison Arms were the big thing. But there's also a new mode they snuck in there called Party Crash. And on a conceptual level, not necessarily an execution, but conceptually, I actually find this perhaps be the most interesting thing that they put in there. Because what they did is they basically made the arms version of a Splatfest. You got a limited time event where the game suddenly centers around fighting for a side with special rewards for doing so. In Splatoon, as you know, it's stuff like sci-fi versus fantasy. For arms, it's a battle between two fighters in the roster. And the parallels are there right down to the small detail of in a Splatfest, everything turns from day to night. And in arms, everything turns from day to night. By which I mean the menu turns to night, but all the stages or it's still day but th- it's very like the parallel is very similar actually now I think about it perhaps the fact that the only the menu turns tonight is the perfect metaphor for how ARMS Party Crash feels kind of like a not quite all in version of Splatfest like they're doing it but they're not like it's harder I think because well, ARMS is more limited in general I mean Splatoon's home menu is a 3D no but even the maps world. even when you're fighting it's all like neoned out and fluorescent oh, yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I don't even just that I mean, I mean like if you look at Party Crash you're basically doing much like in Splatoon, Splatoon what you would normally be doing. So you have all the party modes available, and if you play as one of two fighters, in the case of the first one, it was Springman and Ribbon Girl, you get some extra money if you win. You get some special badges if you win. And that sounds exactly like Conquest from Smash Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that's maybe a better comparison, Except actually. the home screen lets you know that it's going on, but yeah. it's like the same thing. Like, oh, are you team heavyweight or team lightweight? And then you pick these characters to represent them, and then when you win, you get... Like coins, badges, and yeah, special abilities. Yeah, and yeah. then but then what's what I feel like arms. I may I'm just making the Splatoon parallel because they're both at the same time. But what I feel like is weird about the with arms is like that's it. When the winners announced, it's like cool, you picked the right guy. Good for you. Like I think Springman won. It's like okay, you're part of sixty two percent that fought as him. Congrats. Splatfest at least gives you like, hey, here's the thing you get for winning. Like, what I, I forgot what they give you. Is it the the, the shells? Yeah, the shells. Yeah, and then this is just like, you did it, champ. And it just feels like it's like one step short of just making it really like something that you actually would latch onto. But then again, I guess Conquest and Smash was the same way. It was all rewards you got at the, in the moment, not yeah, after not the it. fact. Yeah, but I, I would like to see them expand the themes of Party Crash because Party Crash is a cool idea. In the sense of, uh, you know, like a Splatfest, it can get people that are maybe more casually dabbling in arms to come in at preset times and start playing it more frequently and that sort of thing. Also, like Splatfest, I don't think it's going to necessarily draw in people that have completely given up on arms. But for people that are still somewhat in that world, it, it's cool. But I'd love to see them expand the themes. Like, do, like you were saying, heavyweight and lightweight or, like, 
humans versus non-humans and have you let, let you pick multiple fighters that fall into those categories opposed to making everyone be spring man or ribbon girl because then all you do is fight a whole bunch of spring men and ribbon women and it gets a little mm. boring yeah so so it's like it's like on the right path like i it, kudos to the developers for trying and for kind of going like oh splatfest works well if we bring that to arms but i feel like there's just there's a little room for growth here like may, maybe i'm wrong like this didn't get me to dive in, but maybe if it was Min Min or Helix I was fighting for, perhaps that'd be all it takes. But I, I think it, re- it requires a little more of a hook or a little more of a thematic thing. I don't know. I mean, did you even do it, the party crash? Nope. See? Exactly. <laughs> but w- what would it take for you to do it? Like, is it just they need a better hook? Do they need better prizes? Uh, nothing, I guess. Just over arms completely? Yeah, I just... Which proves my point. That is not enough to save the game. Anyway, what are you going to say? Sorry. No, yeah, I just play it whenever a new character comes out just to try it out. That's mm-hmm. it. And then who knows, maybe the character you try you'll fall in love with and then you'll keep playing it like crazy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with ARMS next. Because like we were saying with Splatoon, you know, it's going to, they have updates through the first year. We're pricing one around February, March. ARMS, we don't know their roadmap. All we know is there are those like five or six characters left in the game's source code that were, was data mined. And if they continue the rate they're currently doing it, they could release a new character about every seven to eight weeks from now till about June, if I'm mathing that correctly. Um, and that that's a pretty steady release schedule. It's just a question of what those characters bring to the table, what arms they bring, if there's new abilities, new arms with new things that actually change the game in some way like Poison ones do, if there's new modes. So I think arms more so than Splatoon is kind of a wait and see on the DLC and see if it... You know, this will get people talking, but is it enough to sustain the game long term? Who that might it might be too early to say. Like it, unlike Splatoon, is not creeping back up the eShop bestsellers in any country. So, so you know, time time will tell. But that's kind of where we're at with Arms currently. Yeah. But the, but this approach of content uh, for free in games uh, at a consistent rate goes beyond just Nintendo themselves. I mean, third parties are doing the same thing. Konami specifically is mirroring the playbook almost play for play with Super Bomberman R, which uh, here's a game that much like Splatoon and Arms started with the number one complaint being it's too light on content. And since then, Konami has pretty diligently been adding new characters, new stages, maps, multiplayer options, etc., etc. And now it feels like they're kind of going one step further because they introduced a whole new mode in this big 2.0 update. It's a three-on-three team-based battle mode called Grand Prix. It's actually comprised of two modes. You can either do a crystal match where you're collecting crystals scattered around the stage, and if you blow someone up, they drop half the crystals and you can grab them. Or you could just use standard basic bomber, as they call it, where it's just a team version, three-on-three, of Bomberman. So I actually haven't tried it, but I know you you did, right? Yeah. Is it a not like is this a they're making a big deal of it? Is it a big deal? I mean, honestly, is it cool? I mean, I love Bomberman, so I honestly thought what was already in the package was more than enough. Yeah, I was honestly happy with it. Yeah, I was too um, for that matter. Yeah, but what they did do after the fact, I thought they made the game just a lot better. Like, even mm-hmm. if they didn't add any more content, what they did is they made first of all they they, they fixed made, the camera. I no, I didn't even notice anything wrong with the camera, but apparently that was a thing. It went from uh, isometric to top down, like traditional Bomberman. It's still well. You can you can toggle them now, and it's still kind of isometric. But you could toggle it. Yeah. I mean, people seem happy. So yep. But you know, I guess that wasn't what you were gonna say. No. What were you gonna say? Um, yeah. For a long time, which I felt was really weird, is that you don't get any points when you're playing multiplayer mode. Like you don't win any currency to buy more things for multiplayer mode. Right. You were only able to get currency from playing things in single player mode, but now you get currency from 
playing multiplayer mode a lot. So, See, that's something they didn't even promote as a big deal. Yeah, which, which, I, which honestly, I thought that was the that's biggest massive. deal because like now you get more stages at a faster rate because you're usually going to be playing multiplayer mode. And every character they've added, they added like four or five. They added last ten one. new ones in the two point update, yeah, exactly. including Gomon, yeah, who's they, like a classic Konami. Yeah, because they've added they added three in the last one. It was Simon, some ship, and some ship, <laughs> and Pyramid Head from yeah, yeah Silent Hill. Hill, all with their own unique abilities. And they added ten more with their own unique abilities. Some of which I haven't quite figured out. Like I tried using them, but I don't. Know, they're, either way, they're really interesting. I just want to try them out. There are also some interesting, just like people they put, like Princess Tomato. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Where did that come from? She, I mean, she's there's... from like I think a Japan only series or something. But she, she's old school. Like that's that's yeah, a they're right they're there. really digging into these. I don't know franchises. I mean, I know they've had this whole thing with Kojima lately, but I would have liked to see anything from Metal Gear Solid. But instead, we got Rumble Roses characters, which is that all female wrestling game. Yep. Which I mean, nothing wrong with that, but like. Actually, their ability, like, one of them, like, she creates a little ring, box, like, wrestling ring around her that just makes her completely immune to any bombs, so... Oh, interesting. That, See, that that's what's interesting, is all the Bombermen up to this point were all... The Bomberman. All the Bomber characters in the core game were all identical. Except for the bosses. Just colors. Which you can't play as. Except the bosses. But now, these characters are actually introducing skills and talents that yeah, shake up the game. That's, a, that's to, a huge change. You have kill people, you have abilities for teleporting, you have abilities to, like, whip bombs, like... To your position, so you can never get right. stuck. Basically, no, no, it's, it's significant. It it changes the game up. You now you could. It's almost like a mode in of itself. You could just tell people, all right, with or without special characters, because then you can have a special character battle. Or you can mm-hmm. only use only pyramid head and see who can kill people without even dropping a bomb, because that's what he does. By the way, Princess Tomato is from the NES game Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom, which was released in 1984 and developed by Hudson, who, as we know, has gone on to do the Mario parties and many other things. But that's where she comes from. Uh, but I mean, the new modes—I <laughs> mean, they're fun. I do like that um, they took the time to create like almost a—they almost made a mini campaign out of the the new team battle mode. Like it has all new cutscenes. They yeah, it has Max. They they taught the the characters they already released the three older ones from mm-hmm. the first patch as like the good guys. Like they're here to support you, and they have their own voice acting. And Dracula is like the lead villain of all these other new people that they announced because they're all villains and you have to compete with them in the big tournament which is this multiplayer team battle mode so and they definitely went all out and that's on top of also adding more to the real single player campaign mode yeah they had a whole new world with a whole new story and all new cutscenes as well yeah so they they went all out yeah really and it's all free that's what's crazy. Like this, I know, and this game is like twenty four bucks. Well, was yeah. twenty four bucks on Black Friday. I don't know if it still is. That, but... See, I have a theory about that. I think it was an intentional smart move, I, intentional move on their part, Konami's part, to do that because almost every major big box retailer, Best Buy most notably, was selling the game for twenty five dollars. And what's clever to me about that is Konami then timed the update right in tandem with that push at retail. So like, someone may see Barman on sale. Go Google the game, see if it's worth picking up. And so the first things they're going to see on Google, especially because Google floats news to the top of results, is articles about all these new modes, new characters, new features in Barman, all for free. And that immediately suggests that the game has a strong ecosystem around it. It's worth your time. It's worth more than, say, some stagnant one-off release on Switch that, you know, oh, that's also $25, but I don't see any free updates coming to that. That's not being supported. Why would I buy that over Bomberman? So then they buy Bomberman. And then what happens there is... Konami's basically... I, well, actually, I don't know... 
when a retailer discounts a game, I don't know if the cut that they give to the publisher is also less. I'm not sure how that works. But even if Konami makes less per game, they are selling more copies in general by timing this with the price drop. So they're still making more money overall. Plus, all these new Barman purchasers may now buy a sequel or buy some other Konami game in the future, especially if it's on Switch and, you know, they have the good... The goodwill? The good, the good, uh, yeah, the goodwill from Barman. Like, this is win-win for Konami. I think it's very... It's interesting to see because you don't see very many, outside of Nintendo with ARMS and Splatoon, you don't see very many companies actually do this. But yeah, Konami... You also don't see many Konami games lately. At all. Yeah, but Konami's they're going all in yeah, with Bomberman they're and they're timing machines. it so well. Oh, and, Red, and uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah, that thing. That thing. The fans hate that one. Uh, they haven't played it yet. They just don't like conceptually that they're doing it. I know, that's yeah. tied to Metal Gear. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just, I just think the Bomberman thing is extremely clever. Like, good, good on Konami. It's really cool to see that they took the criticism to heart about the game at launch and actually, like... I mean, again, I personally didn't mind. When we... And I know you said you didn't. When we reviewed yeah. it in and our it, launch yeah, episode for Switch... Yeah, because what I expected. We used to play Bomberman 97 all the yeah. time. So when we got a, a 3D, essentially 2D Bomberman, mm-hmm. we were happy with that. But a lot of people... Like, lot of people uh, like, 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 the biggest complaint I saw was that it wasn't Bomberman 64. Or, like, yeah. Bomberman Adventure. Like or people Bomberman wanted, Hero, yeah. Like people wanted that, but... Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, we both liked it from day... Like, you could go listen to our Switch launch episode, and we're both like, yeah, Bomberman's pretty good. So, for us, it's just Yeah, that one was worth the price, not... Yeah, who knew Switch, that it would be... Yeah. Which was also... Which is also on sale. But I still don't know if it's worth 30 bucks. It, it, the answer is no. not. Did you know once you Switch, they added video capturing, too? I would like you to explain what they're capturing video of, because the literal premise of the game is don't look at the screen, there's nothing on the screen. So you see... Nothing. I guess you see the title you see, cards. You see some know. udders being squeezed, but you don't know who's squeezing which. Yeah, it's it's dumb. Yeah, but but anyway, yeah. So I think this thinking in general with all the games we talked about of using additional content to boost sales, uh, it it seems to be working. I mean, it, it's happening more and more frequently. On just the Switch, there was already separate from what we've talked about. Pokemon Torment DX got that team battle online mode we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, and if you look at something like Minecraft, it's also constantly getting updates. It's actually set to receive that huge battle to, or battle, better together, uh, crossplay update down the line, although now it's been delayed to 2018. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Mojo, they didn't give a reason or even say when in 2018, but right now Switch is odd man out, cause PC, Xbox, mobile game, they all have Minecraft, better together, crossplay as of what, September? And the Switch one keeps getting delayed, but the, but I mean, well, how's that make you feel? Because you you literally have just been sitting and waiting for this to happen, and now it's delayed indefinitely into the new year. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping it would get released around December. Like, yeah, I was hoping because I'm like, all right, cool, I finally like completely 100 percent in Mario Odyssey. Now I'll have nothing else to distract me. But now there's nothing to distract me. So, Bomberman, man. Yeah, but I mean that's I I play that almost exclusively with other people. Well, yeah, like I meant like a I know what you mean I know what like you mean. a single player. I mean I guess that means like you get. But you don't need better together if you're playing single player. You're fine. No, yeah, but I mean that's but eh? Minecraft eh? is a game I want to play with other people. Specifically, you want a cooperative, not competitive. Is what you're sort of trying to say? I think. Sure. Right. Yes. No. Anyway. Uh... Yeah, so Minecraft, who knows? But but it's just kind of amazing to like, if you think about all these different games that have this like constant update schedule now happening, and then you look back to prior to I don't know, really the first Splatoon on Wii U, I guess, 
Like, this approach was unheard of on Nintendo platforms. Like, sure, mobile games have done it for years, but anything on Nintendo system, be it first party or third party, it was way more locked down, like, for lack of a better term. I mean, there was... These games weren't living, breathing services that are that they've become now. Like, even DLC is relatively new to Nintendo, if you think about it. Like, in the six years we've been doing this podcast, we went from Nintendo swearing off DLC to fully embracing DLC and now doing games of services and something and like also announcing games with DLC with and announcing games with, with DLC. DLC exactly yeah like just the idea of something like having the champions ballad in Zelda Breath of the Wild like that DLC coming out next month or Marin Rabbids New World and character DLC that comes out sometime next year I think like that was unheard of in the Wii days or even the very early Wii U days it's just crazy how fast it's evolved like here we are, six years later, and all this stuff is like, this is common now. Like, you have a game just be stagnant, or be something you buy and never expand, is a very rare thing. Like, I bet you Mario Odyssey, which right now has no official DLC plans, is going to get a new world as yeah, DLC at some point. Or get, Kingdom, I mean. It's going to get like a, for sure get. like a 64 pack, a Sunshine pack. Like That'd be great, pack. actually. I would love that if they did that. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm like almost 80% sure that's going to happen. But, but you know what's crazy? It's like six years ago we wouldn't have had this conversation because that would be absurd for Nintendo to do that. And yet here we are. Times mm. times change. Yeah, because I mean this time like we wouldn't have had – like I, I know at some point we were somewhere that Galaxy 2 would have been DLC. Like It, it could have been. Yeah, yeah it, it would have been DLC, but it ended up being a sequel. Yeah. But I mean like now like I could easily see them just bumping on more kingdoms for Odyssey instead of – making a sequel yeah I think the idea of having a Mario Odyssey 2 on Switch is pretty much a dead end they're gonna keep yeah. pumping Mario they'll Odyssey just, 1 yeah they'll probably bring out like a new kingdom like once a year or something like yeah that. or even more frequently I mean when Mario Kart 8 first got still DLC they are doing it every 3 months hmm. I think weren't they something like that yeah I mean they, but they announced everything outright it was just like that's true alright here's well they everything. had a season pass of sorts yeah so if they do a Mario travel but, I mean, but you knew everything you were travel getting travel passport it's the Mario Kingdom Travel Passport for Mario Odyssey DLC coming in 2018. You heard it here first. <laughs> I guarantee it'll be called the Passport. I, I will bet real money on this, but we won't. Uh, you know, actually, I did mention kind of in passing the Mario and Rabbids DLC. I'm curious who that new character is. Previously, they didn't say there was a new character. Now on the eShop listing, they have a new gold edition of Mario and Rabbids uh-huh. where um, you get the DLC or the season pass and the game all bundled together. The patient person edition, yeah. Essentially. I mean, it's the same price as individual, I think. They just yeah. make it one download. But uh, yeah, it makes reference to a new character in Mario and Rabbids. I, I feel like it has to be Rayman, right? Like, right? I have no follow-up thought to that. Just it has to be Rayman. Like, who else would it? Come on. Come on. Anybody from the Mario side? Why, though? It could be Rayman. Like, what a great way to promote a new Rayman game right. or something. Rayman. It's going to be Ezio. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could actually see that being the case. Or it's going to be a regular rabbit. Not even like a rabbit peach. It's just going to be a, a rabbit, rabbit. with a T. A R-A-B-B-I-T, a rabbit. It'll just be a rabbit. And it won't do anything. It'll just hop around. This is why I think Rayman's a better option. But yeah, I'm, cur- I'm curious what it'll be. But um, yeah, all this DLC thing... All this DLC stuff, I mean, I think the one thing the whole industry needs to be wary of is we venture further and further and further down this path of games constantly sucking up your money is pushing the luck of games going from a thing you buy once to a thing you continually invest money in and how far, how much you can get away with as a company with doing that. Because, uh, you know, whether it's a thing you invest money in as a consumer through DLC or as a company through these constant free updates, basically marketing for the game. Like, there is, games are no longer a thing 
that you just buy once and you're done or you make one-time investment in and you're done. They're now ecosystems in and of themselves. And the problem is they keep – it's a very slippery slope. Like they keep pushing their luck with what they could get away with. And most recently we've had the loot box stupidity that's been really grinding people's gears. And luckily for Nintendo platforms, they've been able to avoid loot boxes almost entirely up to this point. But boy, other platforms have really been getting hit hard by it. Like it's – it really all came to a head, I guess, with Star Wars Battlefront 2 the other week. Um, I think anyone that follows the game industry at all probably knows the gist of all this. Essentially, loot boxes use either in-game money that you earn by playing the game or by paying real money to get the in-game money, and then those boxes give you a chance of getting something. So it's like one of those capsule toy machines. Or to put it in Nintendo parlance, it's like the summoning of a hero in Fire Emblem Heroes. The difference there is in Fire Emblem, you're playing for free, so the gotcha mechanic is where the money's entirely made, which means the entire game and its balancing and everything is built around that idea of the gotcha mechanic, meaning everything's properly balanced, you're not paying to win, you're paying to play. So it's different than I feel like what Star Wars did or what real loot boxes did, you know? But, but in console games, the problem is, and what people seem to be latching onto, is you already paid for the product up front. Like, it's great that we have these living breeding ecosystems. The fact that Splatoon is free and ARMS is free and Barman is free is awesome. But even DLC is like, okay, it's new content. But to have a game where you pay for a thing that's already in the game, and you're not even paying for a thing, you're paying for a chance at the thing, Get it gets a little dicey. Like, up till recently, it was strictly cosmetic. So it was, like, borderline okay. Because really, how much different is that than a typical unlock system for normally having new paint colors for your car or hairstyles for your basketball player or whatever? Like, it's dumb, but it's, like, tolerable because it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't affect yeah. anyone else. It's, it's fine. Yeah, but then EA got greedy, as EA tends to do, and we got Star Wars Battlefront 2, where they decide to um, put actual playable characters behind loot uh, boxes. And... Not just, like, whatever characters. I'm talking, like, Darth Vader, Luke, Chewbacca, Leia. The ones people actually want to play as are now locked away behind these loot boxes. And someone did the calculations. If you wanted to get these characters, the amount of in-game money it required would require you to either play 40 straight hours to get Darth Vader or pay whatever the equivalent is in microtransactions to get to that point. And that's not even to guarantee an unlock. You're paying 40, 40 hours for a chance to unlock them. Like in the ye olden days of three years ago in gaming, that would be a guaranteed unlock, and that would be somewhat understandable. It's kind of dumb, but it's like, oh, wow, you really invested 40 hours? Okay, you get Darth Vader. You can go online and destroy people. It'll be awesome. You earned it. But now it's pay your way to earn. Like it's pay to win, which is not not okay. And of course, that's infuriated all sorts of people. Not just because it makes an iconic character that much harder to get, but it's actually harming the online competitive scene of the game as a result. Yeah, so many copies of that game on shelves this weekend. Yeah, I mean, they literally made a pay-to-win that's just like destroying the game. Like it's not, it's not working for them. And the backlash was so strong. I mean, they had first the initial feedback from the developers on Reddit became the most downloaded post of all time on the site in under a day, in under half a day. Then they dropped the microtransaction prices, but EA still was getting flack to the point that they got a call from Disney CEO, Bob Iger. And then mysteriously after that phone call, all the microtransactions were removed from the game entirely. Hmm. I wonder what happened there. But yeah, and then on top of that, EA stock. This is how big of a situation it is. 
EA lost 7% of their stock over this. And then, because in a way this is sort of gambling, right? I mean, it is gambling. You're paying real money for a chance of getting a thing that enhances your life, your in-game life in this case. Then governments got involved. As of right now, Belgium is investigating whether this should be banned as a practice because it's gambling for kids. And they, because they're part of the EU, would mean the ban goes to the whole EU. A Hawaii state representative has called for action against this sort of behavior. A French senator has written to the gambling board in France like, yo, this is uh, gambling. You guys should check it out. And yes, he really did start the letter with yo. Um, he did not. But it's just like, yeah, this is suddenly out of nowhere. Look what EA did to themselves. They shot themselves on the foot. Not only did they get the bad PR, not only did they ruin what was potentially a borderline acceptable but not really liked money-making scheme that Overwatch has used that other games have used. They've ruined that. They shot themselves in the foot, and they potentially are banning, getting it banned from getting completely, which is great for us as consumers. But wow, that yeah. escalated quickly. <laughs> so luckily, Nintendo's not there yet. I don't think Nintendo would ever do it themselves. I mean, this is this is the this is the basically the the dark side of all the free content stuff we've been talking about. Like every like game keeps living on. This is. The worst case scenario, this is the darkest timeline you could go down. And it, th- it seems like Nintendo's staying clear of that, which I guess makes sense because they are a very conservative company. They have a lot of kids as customers. They know that. So while on mobile, they can sort of get away with it for free to play. I think they would get slaughtered if they tried to do this on a console game. I mean, this is the company that brought back friend codes. They are play, they play things extremely safe. So I don't think we have too much to worry about. But I don't know if third parties are going to try it on Switch. I think NBA 2K has a hint of this. But we'll see what happens. It's just it's just interesting to see, like, for all the uplifting we or all the positive things we were saying about games as services, there's also this kind of darker side. Plus, it makes you wonder, or it makes me wonder at least, what happens when the servers die? What happens when the servers are turned off? Ubisoft just the other day, I think it was Ubisoft, turned off a bunch of Wii U game servers for, like, Just Dance and stuff. So what happens when you have a game... Like, this really applies not just to loot boxes, but to everything. But what happens when you have a game like Splatoon, or a game like ARMS, and they turn off the servers? Like, wh- how will you play them in the future? Can they just be played locally, in the future? But you're missing all the content. Because what happens if you, your system memory uh, glitches out? There's you base, there's no way to, to hold on, to preserve or hold on to this content. Like, when you play a retro game now, if I'm like, I'm going to play this Wii game, or this Super Nintendo game, or this NES game, or this Atari game... You have a full game on that cartridge or disc or whatever, and you can plop it into a machine, and that machine will play it for you mm. in its entirety how it's supposed to. You don't even have the full gaming cartridges nowadays. Yeah, that's my point. You can't do that yeah. anymore. It's gone. This is the one medium where this issue exists. You don't have a movie, and then two-thirds of the way through, it's like, you need to download the rest. Oh, there's no server? Well, I guess you don't get the ending now. But, like, I mean, granted, there's no single-player narratives doing that in games. But, you know, like Splatoon, it's like... If I watch show my kids Splatoon in 20 years or whatever, hypothetically, or my grandkid in 40 years, and I bust out the Switch, and maybe the memory is corrupt, so I reformat it, what do I show them? A level? It's weird, because game, like, games have hmm. the ability to be historically preserved up to this point, and starting with, right now with the games of the ecosystem idea, with games of services, with free stuff, with paid stuff, with loot boxes, all that... Some of these games aren't preserved anymore. It's really weird if you think about it. I mean, I guess software will fall under the same bucket because software is becoming more and more download-based, so like apps on your phone or whatever. But it's strange that we have like these... Essentially, we'll have all these half-baked games. Like Bomberman. 
What if we decide in 10 years to bust out Barman for old time's sake? Like you were saying you used to play Barman 97 a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if you take that out now and play it, it's still there. If you take out Bomberman, Super Bomberman R on your Switch in 15 years and play it, you're suddenly assuming maybe something goes wrong with the Switch. You have the risk of only having what was there day one on March 3rd, which, which for pers- us was which, fine, which was but for a lot fine. of people wasn't. If anything, I mean, it's already more than what we played on Bomberman 97. Right. But how do you ever know there was the better? How do you even revisit the better? It's gone. There's no historic record of it if the Switch mm. has a memory issue. I mean, they're just characters. But it's weird, like, because, you know, there's, like, history of this. Like, there's video game historians and stuff. There's, like, museums that house these things. Like, how do they... I, granted, there will always be some systems that work, but is it going to be, like, digging up fossils one day? It's like, oh, I found... I, guys, I have a Switch that has the DLC on it. Look, like, it just seems I mean, weird. I mean, no, to download it and store it safely. Just make copies I, of I it. I get it, but that's what's weird. Like, you have to, like, actively do this. I mean, I that's... Know. I mean, that's just a risk with the medium entirely. I mean, when you... I'm sure... But it's a new it, risk, is my point. I it know. Didn't exist. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but I mean. But yes, it is a risk. Yeah, it's just. Kind I, of I would. Argue, I mean, it's definitely. I don't know. I guess it's not a necessary risk, but I feel like it does. It's not necessary at all. I mean, it's. I would say it allows for some improvements. I feel mm. like. Well, I'm not saying we shouldn't have DLC or shouldn't have ecosystems or games as services because of this. I'm just saying it's it's an interesting issue that has risen out of this. Yeah. I mean, I guess for the people that really cared, issues. I mean, just look at um, what was it? Like Halo, I think it was yeah. Halo Two. Like some people were keeping a, a server running on their own because Microsoft right. had already shut it down for a long time, and they were just like, "We just want to play this one," so we just kept it running. So I mean, there'll be people like that, and yet, the or whole... I guess kind of like Blizzard, like they were so touched, I guess, by the people that were playing StarCraft Vanilla that just never wanted to go to the original because mm-hmm. they had finished those servers a long time ago that they're bringing it back, like remastering it. So right. I mean, mm. it is, don't get me wrong, it is a, a weird, like, double-edged sword. I mean, we get all these wonderful perks of games always evolving, always offering something new. I mean, we just spent, what, 50, almost 58 minutes talking about games that came out late, some, not even late, early summer and earlier than that. And yet down the line, all that content could just poof, be gone. So it's mm. a weird, it's a weird double-edged sword. At least you still have games like Mario Odyssey that oh, yeah. are just yeah. all in one cartridge. It's more just me thinking out loud than an actual, like, pressing problem. Like, most people aren't going to be like, oh darn, I couldn't preserve all my games. But it's just kind of a weird other side of the coin of the whole situation. Yeah. But perhaps the answer is you just need a lot of systems out there. Since I'm sure some of them will carry the game on one way or another. And in the case of the Switch, such a goal should prove to be pretty easy because that thing is selling a lot. I mean, like, I know, like, at one point... You ruined my all... beautiful transition! <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just more like I just realized right now. So, yeah, like, at some point, I know, like, five or six of my Switch games are just not going to work entirely because they're the Jackbox games. If yeah. that company ever has to go out of business, like, there's no more Jackbox.tv to go to yeah. or WordsGames.lol or whatever. Which it's... is a weird thought because games didn't used to be like that. Yeah, but... it's like, oh, I paid 30 bucks for these, but now they're just... Like I guess you have to delete them. It's like at that point, it's almost like paying a one-time subscription fee. Yeah, I mean Netflix is gonna be the same deal. What happens when Hulu or Netflix goes under? Can't go to all those. Well, no, that's different because those are preserved on other platforms and mediums and everything. But yeah, it's it's a good point. It's a it's a real point. But yeah, yeah. But as I was starting to say, I'm gonna repeat my transition because I was so proud of it. I was starting to say that perhaps you just need more systems out there because more systems mean more places for it to be preserved. And conveniently enough, the Switch is a great selling system, meaning there's lots of opportunities. And that is the transition into a brief Jason Sales Corner. Yay. Yeah. Look, listen to that excitement. Six years of these. Six years. 
But yeah, uh, October MPD numbers are out for North America, uh, and as is becoming the norm around here, Nintendo's kind of killing it. I mean, for the second month in a row now, they've represented two-thirds of all hardware sold in the U.S. The Switch was number one. The Super Nintendo Classic was number two. Together, along with 3DS, Nintendo has helped the industry achieve more than one million units in hardware sold in the month of October of 2017, which is the first time the industry has done that since the month of October 2011. So it's been six, coincidentally, six years since they last hit that goal, right before we started our show, actually. And on the game side, unsurprisingly, Mario Odyssey did quite well. It's number three on the chart, only through, only after a few days on the chart, and that's strictly physical sales, not including the eShop, which is probably how it propelled to over a million so quickly. Uh, Zelda, Mario Kart, Fire Emblem Warriors, they're all in the top 20 overall sales chart, but they're down in the teens, not up in the tens or the single digits. But what's impressive is Mario Kart 8, actually, um, as of now, is the 10th best-selling game on any platform in 2017, joining Zelda, which is currently the 5th best-seller in 2017's top 10. So they're, they're, you know, they're holding their own. And we know nothing about 3DS, except on an individual software chart level, the Mario & Luigi remake, uh, unsurprisingly, best-selling game on 3DS. But again, the real story here is, of course, the Switch. It seems poised to continue to be probably the top star, I would guess, through the rest of the holidays. Uh, Time just named it uh, top Gadget 2017. It's featured in almost every major big box retail holiday also, commercial. Um, feature fidget spinners in that same no, top. They gadgets. did not. Nope. Oh no, it was Top they, Inventions by Time or something like that. Oh uh, well, Top Gadget went to Switch. I don't know about Top Invention. If Fidget Spinner got Top Invention or even a note on, like a footnote, I that Top Gadget's not worthless to me. But uh, but yeah, it's you know there's the Switch is getting publicity through there. It's in almost every major big box retailer's holiday commercial. Anecdotally, I saw a lot of them in stock when I was at Best Buy around midnight on Black Friday. Like, they had at least 40 or 50 of them. So, all the ducks are in a row for Nintendo. Uh, it's just a matter of them having, you know, have people come and get. And in fact, it seems like they're achieving this success already without even being the biggest advertiser in the game industry. They only were number three in October when it came to, when it came to uh, promoting the Switch. Which, to be clear, still means they spent $10.9 million on commercials, yet they still walked away number one, even though they're number three in advertising. So there's absolutely some sort of word-of-mouth element to all this. And as the holidays ramp up, I can only imagine that's going to keep growing. So between the predictions from the town themselves and their last financial report from last episode, and then these nu- these numbers this month, uh, suddenly surpassing the Wii to me, doesn't seem like such a crazy, far-fetched idea anymore. I think they could actually have a bigger thing than the Wii in, with the Switch. In fact, in the UK, their big game, uh, game retailer over there called Game, uh, they said that the physical attack rate of games for Switch is almost identical to what the Wii was in its prime. Almost identical, almost meaning identical. It's, it's, I think it's better, like I think it's, it's like a decimal less or something. Hmm. So... It seems like the Switch is doing quite well for itself, is the takeaway from this JC Sales Corner, as has become one of my favorite podcast pod, uh, pastimes. You can draw a line from increasing Switch sales to more game announcements, and sure enough, that happened. I mean, for example, Sega recently announced that they're bringing back uh, Valkyria Chronicles with a fourth entry. I think that's how you say it, right? Valkyria, yeah. And it's coming to Switch alongside PS4 and Xbox One, which, if you think about like down in the Wii U days... How often did a big multi-platform release of a fan-favorite franchise get down-res to Wii U? The answer, I think, is never. 
But with Switch, here we go, it's happening. Because Switch is selling. And, you know, it's it's not just them. It's like, you got, uh, you know, Player uh, Unknown Battlegrounds? The publisher yeah. of that game just announced they're making a new IP. They're called Blue Hole. They're making a new IP for Switch. Now, it'd be cool if they brought over uh, Bell- Battlegrounds, but, oh well. But nonetheless, you know, you got all these different people of different sizes and shapes and whatnot all making games for Switch. So, all this is to say... I think to, I mean, I don't think it's obvious. Nintendo's a good thing going for them right now. And that's just the Switch. If you factor in things like Animal Crossing, Pocket Camp, having a really good launch, we're going to have impressions in the next episode, but if you factor in that launch, if you factor in rumors of a Mario movie from the Minions people, you could see why Nintendo's stock is at the highest point it's been since 2008, which was the peak of the Wii craze. So, like, Nintendo's back, and it's kind of, it's kind of cool. It's, you know, the podcast has been covering them through all the ups and downs. It's nice to see them back up. So. So that's the mini Jason Sales Corner. Yeah, I forget that we were there from the Wii U launch to... Not the, the Wii, Wii launch, the, the Wii U. We were, Wii U. We were there I from... Wii U. This, yeah, you're right. We were there from Skyward Sword, actually. Wii U's launch to Wii U's death? Pre-Wii U's launch to post-Wii U's death, if you yeah. want to get real technical. We were there from, like, the first holiday of the 3DS. Yeah, I think Star Fox 3D was our pilot episode yes. that never made it and out. the first real episode was Mario 3D Land. Yeah. Yep. Tanuki Tales Everywhere, I think is what we called it. Yep. Oh, memories. But, you know, I said something a minute ago, and I feel like if there was ever a time to have a record scratch sound effect at the ready, it would have been then. And that was because I just casually mentioned that the Minion people are making a Mario movie. Like, what? <laughs> so, according to the Wall Street... I mean, they partnered with Universal and Universal No, it makes sense. So. It does make sense. Yeah. So, according to... It's just kind of like, oh, Minions and Mario? All right. I mean, I guess Rabbids was a pilot run for Minions. I don't know. But uh, according to the Wall Street Journal... Illumination Entertainment of Minion and Despicable Me and Sing Fame has come is very close to signing a deal with Nintendo to make an animated Super Mario Brothers movie. It's apparently already in early development at their Paris studio, which is specifically responsible for Despicable Me and not the Minion spinoff or Sing. And it sounds like Miyamoto himself is going to be hands on and will be a producer, which is already a million times better than that other Mario movie from '93. So. Well, we'll see. And this shouldn't be a real surprise, honestly, because Kimishima mentioned that they're exploring movie options at past financial briefing. I was like, oh, okay. And just sort of like didn't really think anything of it, but here we are. But I, I don't know. I, what's your take? You're the animation guy. Like, does this, are they a good fit for I mean, Mario? It makes me feel a little unsure. I don't know. I mean, if we're speaking on a purely animation standpoint, I would say Illumination is a really, really good pick. Like, um, their all their work is usually very like cartoony, mm-hmm. just like very cartoony, very like I don't know the characters just feel like almost just more cur- yeah they're very stretchy they're very I don't know just Which toony. As Mario Odyssey taught us so is Mario yeah like it it just fits more because um Pixar and DreamWorks a lot of their animation like yeah they're animated cartoons but a lot of their animation is grounded in realism for the most part like things have more believable physics things are more no they're just more realistic right. In that sense, I mean, they could still have fantastical worlds, but everything kind of everything's grounded and moved, in, yeah. in the laws of the real world. Yeah, you wouldn't, you won't, you won't see someone like their hand getting caught on a door, and then they're running, and their arm gets all stretched out, and then it like ricochets back to them. Or That's something. true, actually. I never thought of that. Yeah, they never do that. Like Illumination, I feel like they have more. They're willing to like go that route, and I feel like with a world like Mario's, I feel like it would be better suited for them than something along the lines of DreamWorks and Pixar. Right. So in that sense, that's I think Illumination is great. Um. Story-wise, I mean, I don't know. That's completely hit or miss. It just comes down to who wrote it, who... I have no idea. And how much... I don't even know, like... I mean, honestly, like, 
even now in the world where we're like like oh back then we didn't know what to base the movie off of because all we had was like this going for it like the 2d mario game through mario brothers now i mean i don't know i feel like i would still have a hard time figuring out what would be a plot to get for like another and a half do we just have bowser kidnap peach do we create a new villain altogether like the mario rpg do we just adapt one of the mario luigi stories you can't i guarantee you cannot do mario ends up in new york city because that was already done and it was called new donk city but i get they could adapt that oh geez yeah i mean do they do do they just adapt mario odyssey into a movie i mean that might be the easiest you know what you know what the thing i I have no idea is not so much the plot my concern is I've come to realize I just don't like extended dialogue from Mario. Like, don't get me wrong. It Charles Martin is great. I mean, you we like met him in, talk in no, Mario we, Odyssey. I mean, no, in Superstar Sagas. I mean that that's okay. That's not real dialogue, or is it extended? But I know. But um, yeah, like I I don't know. Like they they put out this video the other day for the Play Nintendo website where you can email Mario your questions and he'll answer them. It's Mario at NOA.Nintendo.com for anyone who may want to email Mario and he'll answer them in a video and it'll be great, you guys. We're all five together. Yay. No, actually, it could be kind of funny. But my point is the whole time in that video, minute and a half, minute 20, something like that video, Mario's narrating the whole thing and I'm just like, this is this is weird. Like, it's like, hey, come email me. I'm Mario. You can I'll answer your questions at my computer. It's just like, why is he talking so much? It, it's just weird. And like, I don't know. It, it makes even less sense because like, over the multiple times that we've met Charles Martinet, which we've been fortunate enough to do many times, he's the nicest dude in the world, and I loved hearing him just ramble off as different Nintendo characters. Like, he'd go from Mario to Wario to Waluigi to Luigi to Baby Mario to Baby Pete, like, just, like, on the fly. And it's really cool, but... Like, not only that, but he even recorded us a full Mario dialogue of an intro to the podcast, and I think that. I think it was, like, Con 2012, we had him do, as Mario, this is the Nintendo podcast, you know, random Nintendo podcast, da, 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 live from Comic-Con, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really cool, and it sounded great. Whoops, I just whacked my mic. And it sounded great. But, I don't know, a whole movie doesn't feel right to me. And and I have this weird feeling that even if they did a movie, they're going to replace Martinet. Like, I hope they don't. But I just have this weird feeling that Holly's going to be like, nah, we need, like, a real, like, a main AAA actor to do that the is voice. A, that and is the other like, thing about oh, Illumination. Uh, like, you know... Yeah, they, they try Steve to, they, they, will be doing Mario they, or they, they, they try to compensate... Um, Sometimes story for just like a lot of big names. Yeah, celebrities. so I don't want. So like everyone's gonna be someone like I don't know Dwayne is Bowser, Dwayne uh, Rock Johnson. You mean? Yeah. Or Dwayne? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'll name some female to be Peach. Scarlett or... Johansson. Sure. Plays Peach. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Kevin it's... Hart is Toad. Okay. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Actually. 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 I kind of want to hear that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just his hi, but more like hearty. All the Toads sound like that except for him. He, he sounds like Kevin Yeah, Hart. he and he's just like, why are you guys all... Baby, you know the Toads <laughs> would totally be the minions of this Mario movie. Can you imagine all the Toad merchandise if they became like minions? Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not so opposed to this anymore. I mean, they don't have to be... They don't have to be identical minions, but yeah. they're the equivalent. Like, the yeah. Cock Relief, they... like, in-mass character. They're they're just, yeah, they're just a thing that yeah. they could merchandise like crazy. Be like, oh, here's Toad with glasses. Here's Toad without glasses. I, here's Toad with a hat. <laughs> you didn't call him Toad? <laughs> I did. You did? Not on purpose, but yeah. It's okay, Toad. We still love you. Uh, I actually would pay real money for a Toad movie starring Kevin Hart if they don't have Mario talking in it. <laughs> No, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, you squeeze his hand and then he yells out something as Kevin Hart. Yeah. Something about how... <laughs> to Kevin, oh, Toad. wait, wait. Something about how short he is because Toad short and Kevin Hart short. Dude, we're writing a movie right now. We are writing a movie. What are the movie? Isn't even directly about Mario. He's just kind of there. 
You know, that would almost be better. But see, in that situation, then it's fine if he talks because it'll be limited. And again, I hope if he does talk, I want it to be Charles Martinet. Then gonna, but I also prefer if he just doesn't talk. Could did, just be like Charlie Chaplin. Do you think style. they're going to call it like the Super Mario Brothers movie or are they going to be some like verb like jump or something? Jump Up Superstar, the movie. Starring Kevin Hart as Toad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but dude, Kevin Hart as Toad was, that was perfect. I'm, yeah. No, but I don't know. It, it, time will tell. Like, whatever form the movie takes, it's going to be years before we see it. Um, if it even becomes official. I mean, there are already previous rumors that, you know, Netflix was making a Zelda show and that turned out to be false. Or that Sony was petition, uh, petitioning Nintendo to do a Mario movie and that never panned but out. These things are so becoming more and more complicated. I mean, we did get that Castlevania this year. I know. And we had Detective Pikachu coming out to soon. To good with the reception. Guy from so, yeah. No, there, there's hope. Don't get me wrong. There's hope. Especially if Nintendo themselves are having creative control. But, just, I, I don't know. I'm a little hesitant. Yeah. Maybe Unless they find some creative way to not 93. have Mario talk that much, maybe he still just kind of does what he does. I don't know. Just says gibberish, like you were saying before. Yeah, because I mean that's kind of what they do in a lot of the. I mean, even the Mario Superstar games. Like, I mean, sure, like none of the characters technically talk. Yeah. But Mario still doesn't have dialogue bubbles. He just talks gibberish in short bursts. And Starlo is like, I guess your voice of the game. What, what if? What if? Hear me out. Like, they just have someone go like, oh, he said this, or like, like, oh, they all just understand Mario, but I don't know. Hear me out. What if the movie was actually about Kevin Hart's toad, and the life of a toad, and Mario just kind of came in at one point and went away? Like, Detective Pikachu's not a Pokemon movie, it's a Detective Pikachu movie, so maybe it's not a Mario movie, it's a toad movie. And then Mario just kind of, you know, he comes <laughs> by and he goes, hello, and then leaves. And that's the, that's his entire role. The movie's just going to be called Toad, like, just Toad. Yeah. And the poster is going to be like the red and yellow poker, like the teaser poster. Will like, just be the polka dots of his head. Yeah. That and and it'll just say Kevin Hart in the middle. And then it'll be like he's a fun guy. Oh. Or something along those lines. Yeah. Dude, we should work in Hollywood. I I hear there's some openings. Oh, you or you know, I hear there's a lot of openings in Hollywood right now due to some recent controversies. So I'm pretty sure we could just slot in and make our toad. Or movie. you know, like this movie will eventually, like if this movie does well, they're obviously going to do a toad spinoff and insert Kevin Hart's. Yeah. Yeah. Minions was just the warning shot for Toad. Toads. Yeah. <laughs> toads. It's toads. All the Toads. Wait, yeah. Make it like Alien. So the first one's called Toad. The second one's called Toad. <laughs> toad. And then the third one's called Toad Resurrection. <laughs> and toad then Toad. Co- toad co- oh, yeah. That's right. And then Toad Covenant is perfect. Yeah. I, I think we, I, we, we should really, we're not very far from the studios. Like we can drive to Universal. It's about 45 minutes from here. I think I know where we're going after this. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, that, that's years away. We'll worry about when it comes. I feel like should focus on Bowser or anything. I feel like he has more character stories they could do with him. Maybe not do a whole. I don't know. Bow- Instead of inside Bowser's story, it could be Bowser's. Oh wait, no, it was Bowser's inside story. Maybe play off his um, <laughs> not yeah. Maybe just like subtly play off his um role in Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, he was mm-hmm. in that meeting that he doesn't like to be considered the bad guy, but he's just seen that way because of what he has to do. I mean, that I mean, come and, on. I mean he just kidnapped and tried to marry a poor lady. Hey, maybe he maybe there was like a gun to his head that we don't know maybe about. she committed during a previous kidnapping and he was just falling through all he thought was a promise maybe and he doesn't know no means no I don't know you know Hollywood would love to make I mean, a movie why else would Mar- he doesn't know no means oh, no oh wait you haven't been in the game yet <laughs> well careful neither are some listeners probably yeah. maybe but, but anyway well, whatever, whatever form the movie takes we'll find out in due time um, I mean in the in the meantime there's a lot more things happening closer mm. to reality, closer now, because uh, we're kind of in the midst of the holidays, right? And that means for many people, a lot of time will be spent with family, and you're going to need something to do to prevent 
listening to a political rant from your crazy uncle or whatever it is that happens at your house during or the Jason. holidays. Or me. Hey, hey, I do those year round, not just during the holidays. But, uh, conveniently, conveniently there are games that will address this, both in the video sense and the board game sense. So these past few weeks, we've been Playing a bunch of multiplayer games through their paces to see what's worth get, uh, what's worth like people gathering around for the holidays, so to speak. And it's kind of a hefty list. So let's start with our impressions of four different Switch games. And by the way, these are beyond just you know Mario Kart, Splatoon, because everyone knows all those. We're talking like ones like hidden gems. So we have four Switch games to talk about, and then we have three physical real world board games to talk about. And all seven of these could make for a very good holiday gathering for you and yours. So, so first on the list is, uh, Inversus Deluxe. Which, now all these Switch games, actually, you're the one that bought and have, so I don't know if you wanna, I mean, I played about half of them with you, but I don't know if you wanna, like, really spearhead this, but how's in, what, Inversus? How would you describe Inversus? It's like if someone took the concept of Splatoon and just simplified it to the point where you can't simplify it anymore. Simplified it to 2D. Simplified it 2D. Sorry, that was going nowhere. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, you control like a square, just a, either a white square or a black square. Mm-hmm. Like there's no character to it. It's just a square and you shoot, and you shoot lines, you shoot bullets and these bullets shoot the same color. Well, you, oh, wow, I should have said, all right. So every battlefield takes place on a grid and the grid is either black or white. You can move in your own color, but you can't move in your opponent's color and your opponent can move in their color and not in your color, just like Splatoon. Every time you're shooting, you extend your, your turf. So if you're shooting into the black area, your bullet will go all the way through until it hits a wall. And then you could traverse into your opponent's territory as long as you're standing on a white square and yeah. vice versa. And also you kill your opponents just by shooting them with the opposite, with your bullet. So if you hit your opponent, they're dead. But you can also block your opponent's bullets with your bullets. And that's pretty much the game. It's just a who kills who first. But I just like that it's so simplistic that... Well, conceptually it's very simple. No, it's also been in this concept that they can like... Just change it up in so many like crazy ways. Like there, you're, you're there's maps where you're literally controlling like six characters at once. But you, it's, could, but you could shift your focus to which one you're looking at depending on where they are. Like, all right, cool, I'm safe. You're like, oh no, the one from the top right that was your opponent decided to flank you because you didn't think to look there because you were too busy looking at the fifth clone of you. I don't know. It it gets real crazy because of the simple concept that they were able to do this basically i rarely use this term i always find the word kind of silly but it's an app word it's bonkers like it's just nuts like i mean because you have like we played what almost i think we unlocked all the boards we played, like the four of us when we, were we playing, played through right? every single four player game which right. can only be done in 2v2 so you're either doing 1v1 or 2v2 right yeah there's no three player option because it's you're it's always just black and white so you have to divide into even teams as a result yeah but, yeah, no, it's, like, one minute, you have a really small board where everyone's really close together. It's just who can fire first. The next, it's, like, a trapezoid looking, like, a weird mirror ball. Or it's, like, as Sometimes you mentioned, you have, all the have mazes. Yeah. There are mazes. There's one where it's just, like, if you shoot a bullet, it'll just go all the way through and just continue Yeah, looping. there's a lot of Pac-Man. There's, yeah, or... a lot of play with Pac-Man physics where it's, like, you go out one side, come back in the other. Um, while simultaneously being mirrored. So you have, like, you know, all these different things. There's... Shapes, you know, it comes in squares, it comes in diamonds, it comes in triangles, it comes in like cut off squares. Like it's anything you can think of as a way to present this simple concept, they have thought of and then some. It's, and by they, I mean one dude. I don't know if you realize this. This game was made by one guy. He was a former Bungie developer and this is his like little pet project just by himself. 
from mm-hmm. every aspect of it apparently looks but really but yeah cool. it's it's looks i feel like looks are deceiving with this one because when we first start playing it's like okay this, this does look extremely simple but man is it fun yeah i um i was just looking through the eShop for multiplayer games to play with the gang as we call them and the squad um, the squad, squad goals. and don't say that and I just came across like a few of these like that I ended up buying. And Elvis had played this one at Comic Con. He was talking to the, the the lone developer, and oh, it intrigued me like based on what Elvis was telling me how like it starts really simple but it gets really crazy and it did. And the nice thing is that this game also supports online multiplayer, so mm-hmm. that's really cool. And it has a single player like arcade mode, right? Yeah. So if you are alone, you can still shoot your yeah. And, and there's power ups and oh yeah. And the nice thing about this one is that um. I guess, like, the way, like, it it does have ammo. Like, everyone starts off with six bullets. So you can kind of mash them out at someone, but then it takes time to recharge every single one. I think, like, maybe two, second, two seconds per bullet. So there can there will be points where you're out of bullets and you're cornered, and then your enemies will cut off your exits because they're now the opposite color, and you can't cross that. And I don't think you realize, anyone listening out there, how tense it can be when you are a little black square or white square your little bullet thing's empty. You're just surrounded by other squares. And then here comes a third square or a second square from the other team that's going to try and kill you. Like, you don't need fancy graphics to feel that tension of you're about to die. How do you get out of there quick enough? Ah, you can't move. You're only on... Because you can only move on, you know, the color that corresponds with you, as you were saying before. So, yeah, so you can just shoot in a direction and just follow the trail of your bullet. But yeah, you have to make but sure if you have the bullets, bullets yeah, exactly. it gets, like, it gets intense. Like, I, it's, I'm amazed at how captivating this game is given how very simple it looks on the surface which goes to show at the end of the day it's all about gameplay yeah so if you like really quick to pick up multiplayer games with like a at most four people i would definitely recommend this one and that's pretty much the same thing with the other ones they're really um that's true all small group about is they're great for yeah yeah simplistic easy to pick up yeah and i mean yeah. this one like don't it so it's 15 dollars on the eShop. actually i think a lot of the games we're talking about today are 15 dollars on the eShop, but it's 15 dollars on the eShop. um at first glance, it may not it may not look worth fifteen dollars, but we got our money's worth for sure playing it. I think. I, mean, yeah. I don't know how much you played outside of our group, but we we sat there, you, you me, Elvis, and another friend. And, more and we went through that, the that, entirety of the game in one second. And, and we more importantly, so um, that other friend that we played with typically doesn't like it when games get, I guess, too complex. Like, just yeah. give me like we were glad that it was just like two controls to just move and shoot. Yeah, and he really enjoyed his time. Now, oh, no. the, the interesting thing about the controls actually is so it's move and shoot, but you. The direction you aim in most shooting games, you know, you point the stick in the direction you want to aim, and you just hit a fire button, right? In this one, move is the control stick, shoot is the uh, up, down, left, right. So if you hit up or A, depending on which Joy-Con you have, that will shoot up. If you hit right or B or whatever, that will shoot right. Like it's not just a fire button. You fire in the direction you press the button. It's in the like direction a twin you stick shooter. Fire. It's basically. like a twin stick shooter, Except- but it's also a button. But you don't have a so, stick instead of a button, which is that's easy. a cleaner way of saying what I'm trying to say. Yeah, which is really easy to get used to because you're on a grid, so you literally can only shoot up, down, yeah. left, right. It did throw me off at first, like four or five maps, because I kept wanting to just. Yeah, no, you, you could tell it really threw you off, but but once I got it, yeah, uh, but it but good. this is but this is very important because this way you can move up while shooting down or yes. left while shooting right, so you can like retreat and protect yourself, which is really great. It's very critical for the game, yeah. But yeah, fifteen yeah. bucks, like it, I'd say it's worth it. Yep. So, so that's in versus deluxe. Um, somewhat similar or complementary to in versus deluxe is a similar, similarly retro looking and simple to conceptually game, uh, Astral Duel Deluxe, which I did not get to play with you, but you did play. Yeah, so I got to play it with two different groups. This one's really fun. 
It's literally asteroids, the same controls as asteroids, your little triangle, and you shoot bullets. You, this time you only get three bullets at once, and you have to wait for them to recharge just like in inverses. Mm-hmm. And you have a little, and you have one of the buttons you, is your thruster, so you could like accelerate. But then if you let go of the thruster, you keep floating in that in the last direction you were like facing. So that means you could still turn around in three sixty degrees and shoot any which way while you're still floating in the last direction you were thrusting. Mm-hmm. But you also have a boost, so you could all of a sudden change your direction on the fly. And the last button is just like you, it's just to use the pickup power ups. There's like lasers, there's bombs, and the graphics are super simplistic. It looks like it's straight out of like an art, like an old arcade machine. It does, I did notice in the trailer when I was watching that it has kind of a cool like retro CRTV TV yeah, like, it, glow it, it's to like, it almost like the 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 pixel sort glow a little. It's like if um, Asteroid was made again in the early '90s, but with multiplayer. So yeah, and so there's um for most of this, it's very bare bones, but in a good way because. I mean, this game I think is only normally seven or eight bucks. So I looked it up, but right it's now actually it's... it goes for fifteen normally. Oh, geez, really? but it's only five dollars currently. Yeah, right now it's only five bucks, so it was like an instant. Because I was already interested in it because it's the type of game that we would enjoy. But I mean, it's on sale right now for five bucks. There's no reason not to get. It. I think it's more than worth five bucks. But essentially, how the game works, there are two modes, and I would really say you only need to play one of those modes. Um, you either it's a dogfight on the top down area where you just shoot at each other if you shoot at your opponent's ship they explode they die that's it you get a point and first one to set number of points wins and so that's the first mode the second mode which i think is much more fun and the one that you could tell is the hook of the game is where you have to kill the pilot so every time you destroy someone's ship their pilot just falls out of the ship and during that time all they can do is run away they could like fly around the screen but at a much slower rate than if they had the ship and they cannot retaliate so they have like i think 10 seconds to survive before their ship regenerates but during that time any other ship can just run you over or shoot you and you're dead and that just makes it way more intense just because like now it's like oh no i'm well we call them baby forms because the little pilots look like babies mm-hmm. so like whenever you see someone in like in, the, in their baby form you just want to well that sounds doesn't sound right you want to run them over but <laughs> Every time I see a baby, I just all run them down. That's that's me. Just these space babies, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's just really fun and frantic, and because it's the controls are really simple, like anyone can get into it. And there's also touch controls. Did you try those? I saw it in the trailer. I'm like touch, huh? Yeah, but well, I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, but um, yeah. So I mean, there's that, and both of those are free for all. You could do it with one to four players, but on the other half, there's just team versions of those same two modes. So you could do two v two with just the which is the ships, or 2v2 where you have to destroy the ships and then the pilot. Mm-hmm. And the maps, I don't know, they're really fun and varied. There's some that block areas, so you're kind of hidden for a while. There's areas that have gravity manipulators, so that there's, like, dark holes. So you could, like, shoot your your bullet and it'll curve out. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, and then there's some with the Pac-Man effects. So you could, like, go off one screen and one, go off screen on one end and, and come, come out the, the other. But, I mean, besides that, there is one more mode where, I guess, if you don't have enough Joy-Cons, you just put the... The gamepad, not the gamepad, the the switch screen on a table on a flat surface. Tabletop mode. Yeah. No, not no, no, not table. No, 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 yeah, you put it flat on a surface, and then everyone with one finger just controls the ship. Does that work? We did not try that because we figured like why bother? Yeah, Yeah. why bother? It feels like it's there just to say it's there more than to actually 
use or in yeah. case of emergency. I mean, like, unless this game was originally for iOS, maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, well, this is the deluxe I version, mean, so the original had to be on something. I mean, that seems like that's where it originally came from, and maybe all these other modes came after. I'm looking at it. Yeah, I would definitely yes, recommend it. Yes, it's on iOS oh. for $4. It, there you go. So, $5. So that was probably how the original game was played, but I feel like it's much better with controls. Then you can use the Pro Controller, or we just used the Joy-Cons, which worked perfectly fine. But, yeah, that was good. Really like that. By the way, we were wrong. It's not on sale for four ninety nine. It's on sale for four forty nine. It's cheaper on Switch than it is on iOS by 50 cents. Whoa. So There's more stuff. So there you go. More reason to buy it. Yeah. And it's from, it's from, uh, you were telling me who it's from before. Panic Button? Oh, Panic Button, yeah. Yeah, so there are guys that did the Doom port and... Some other stuff. Something. Oh, Rocket League. They yeah. did Rocket League on Switch. So it's like, this is their own little baby when they're not making really yeah, high-end, so, elaborate games for other Yeah, people. so you know they're already good with multiplayer games with the yeah. super popular Rocket League, which I still haven't had a chance to go on. I feel in. like we're going to talk about that next episode. I, I've yeah. been too busy playing a bunch of these smaller games and just and eating Mario Odyssey. Been like, also, it's been Thanksgiving, so like that eats up some time, I feel like. Not really for me. Yeah, okay. I mean, we get the work the week off from work, so it's just... Uh, uh, yeah, I only got a couple of days off. One of the days I was making this podcast, so... Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so that that's Astro Duel Deluxe. Now we're back into a game I have played, uh, Super Beat Sports from Harmonix of Rock Band fame and original Guitar Hero fame. And uh, so this one's a little bit odd compared to the other ones we talked about this episode, in that it's not multiplayer oriented. It has multiplayer, and multiplayer is fun, but it's not the. There's also a, a full single player. Like it's not the other ones where it's multiplayer no, first, single player second. It's both. But it's not. They, 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 like they, don't, it's, they don't really have a single player. I thought they'd, I'd played single player. No, I mean, they do, but I mean, that's not like, like Rhythm Heaven where you have like a set. Oh, it doesn't string them, it's just the individual. I yeah. thought it was just in like a, oh. Okay, pretend I didn't say that. Please it, do tell about. It's, ba- it's basically, I don't know, it's just a giant menu of games. Well, let me, yeah. let me, let me, let me clarify. All right. So there are, it, well, are there four or five? One, two, three. I believe there are five different types of mini games. And each of those types of mini games, last year only three of them, three of those types of mini games have like I guess twenty different songs or some number like that mm-hmm. that you could play different versions of that same mini game. So just for variance, for difficulty. And on top of that you can also play in pro mode, which makes it even harder, but that's only for the first three mini games, being the one where you're just hitting things back with a baseball bat, there's one where you're golfing to different islands and then there's one where you're doing volleyball and all this is button presses in time with the rhythm rhythm and style right? yeah I mean they're all they're all that but those are the only ones that only support one or two players gotcha there isn't any single player exclusive level they can all be done with at least one or two people oh but there's some multiplayer exclusive yeah the last uh, three the one where well ignore my earlier or actually the last two are you can only play with I mean yeah the first two you can't play with four people the last too, I, I feel like are only fun with four with four people mm-hmm. but they are really fun with four people mm-hmm. so I guess as far as the the ones with the four people like there's one where you're oh, it's really weird to explain but essentially you're hitting the ball to the background there's three aliens in the background of the screen mm-hmm. you're either hitting it to an alien on the left the middle or the right depending on which alien you hit the ball will bounce to the next person either much faster or much slower. So pink aliens hit ball slower, blue aliens hit them ridiculously fast, and so on. 
Right. So, and it always goes in that same order. So it always goes from left to right or right to left. And you just keep going with that place with that playstyle until someone lose, misses, and then they lose the heart, and you just rinse and repeat until everyone until one person survives. And that one gets really nuts just when there's a bunch of blue aliens which hit the ball back really really fast, and everyone's just trying trying to keep up with the so rhythm. I guess the music dynamically changes based on which one you hit it. Yeah. Too. Well, the music kind of always stays the same, but there are some. It's all in time. Yeah, like if you hit the same alien multiple times, the alien will get dizzy and will drop an item, and sometimes the item is. Oh, wait, I did a single player. It, it's like the the blue person blitz or something. I did. So there's then, a single player variant to this without the different colors, or it's just multiple aliens across a field, right? Um, I think like I played that. Baseball maybe? bat. Pretty sure I did. Anyway, continue. But that one, um, that one's really fun. But the other one, I feel is a lot better. The other one is more like, um, what was the best? It's like you're playing air hockey. Yeah, it's literally air hockey, but with rhythm. Mm. So that one, you're just hitting the balls to other people to try to score on their goal, and they're trying to score on your goal. Mm-hmm. But if you time the button press when the ball reaches you, you'll return the ball a lot harder. Or you can press the topmost button because sometimes it doesn't have a letter like X or Y. And you'll set the ball up for yourself so you could hit it like a volleyball. And that one could go ridiculously fast and might throw your opponent off. So it's just a bunch of layers to like a simple air hockey mechanic. Right, a bunch right. of, On top of having a bunch of bumpers in the middle, there's these little aliens that eat your ball. And if you were the one that was serving... You actually have full control of these aliens, so you can shoot them to other aliens to try to trick your opponent and then aim it at their goal. But then if they hit it, now they have control of the aliens. It sounds really complicated, but it's not. <laughs> well, that's the thing about rhythm games. It's always like if you try and explain a rhythm game, it makes no sense. Like, hey, you know in rhythm heaven there's that one mini game where like you're hitting a golf ball, but then there's like a baboon next to it, but then a monkey catches it, but then it's on an island. Like, it makes zero sense, but then when you yeah. see it, it's like, oh, duh. Yeah, because, I mean, like in that. a nutshell, you're literally just playing with one button. Like, like in that game, meaning that you just, yeah. you just describe, you're literally just hitting A exactly. to yeah. the beat. And in, and at least from my experience with Super Beat Sports, it is also just yeah, it's also, a button in time with the music. It's yeah, just it's the same. what happens in the world after you press it or yeah, when and, you press it. And this game, I don't remember how much it costs. I want to say it, it is was also $15. There's a theme this episode, and that theme is $15. Oh. <laughs> like, this game, I would recommend if you have friends to play with. It's definitely more fun as a multiplayer game. I am enjoying going through the levels in pro mode. Because the, the, the games that are meant for one to two people, I'm almost kind of treating them like they're just meant for one player because right. I'd rather just play with four people. Right. And they're fun enough, but I guess where this one doesn't satisfy that Rhythm Heaven itch, it's just that with Rhythm Heaven, every single game that's like over 30 of them, like they're all completely different. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not, like they always incorporate like some new things. And this one does for a while but i can only do the same baseball hitting mini game so many times even if they add an extra alien before right. before, before i feel like old. before i'm like all right i think i'm done for today then after a few days i'm like all right cool i'm down to play it again yeah whereas rhythm heaven i feel like i was just always i was just addicted to it like, oh man what are they gonna throw next oh sumos and a dog is like the referee okay mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. lumberjacks but they're lum they're lumber my bad lumberjacks because they're bears but cats are putting stuff in the middle to chop. I don't know. It's weird. See, describing any rhythm game comes off really weird. It's not yeah. just beat sports. <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it's fun. But I don't know. I don't know if it has um. It sounds like it's great if you have a bunch of people together, though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely you only get it if you have a group of people to play with. It's otherwise, um, I would probably hold off until it's on sale. Yeah. 
Which is funny because if you glance, if you were to glance at Super Beat Sports, Astro Duel Deluxe, and Inversus Deluxe all side by side, Beat Sports art style, graphics, all that makes it feel like it'd be the one that you would pay the full price for. But yeah. yet it's not. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, at least for single player. I don't know. It, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, because um, the single player, at least the first three mini games that aren't that you can't play with up to four people. Those you can at least like beat and go to the next level and keep going to the next level just to at least unlock all the different songs. Right, right. But the last two mini games you can only play. You'll only play against a computer, and there is no real progression to them. Mm. That way, that because those are straight up just meant to play with other people. Right, and that's it. But that's where it shines. It sounds yeah. Like, so, so if you don't have other people, then it's like you may as well not even count those last two because it's not really fun to play against a computer. Right. Especially a computer on expert, which like what's the challenge there? Like they're a computer that already knows the beat. Like, yeah. how do you play against a computer on trying to keep the beat oh, to something? Getting, this is getting deep now. This is getting into shower thoughts territory. Well, no, how do you I, beat a computer that knows itself? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> no, I get what you mean yeah. completely. Yeah, no, you're right. I you're mean, right. all it's doing is just keeping a beat. It's not like yeah. Smash Brothers where you can where, trick the computer yeah, to do something you can't else, trick a beat. But yeah, it's just... Especially when it's composing the beat. Yeah, you don't really influence them that much. So Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, so that's Beat Sports. So it sounds like that one, for holiday gathering purposes good for everything else hesitation perhaps but what about perhaps the most traditional multiplayer game on switch monopoly for nintendo switch i can't believe they didn't come up with a better name than that to be honest like monopoly for nintendo switch i like it why don't they call it monopoly switch or switch up or i mean i just call it monopoly but or for switch yeah i mean i guess it, it, I mean, it's just very matter of fact it, i guess i can't criticize because there's it, also smash bros for wii u and it I makes sense for that. like if you're going to the store like oh uh, can i get monopoly for switch that way you know exactly what they want that's it could you imagine if nintendo no bones about like, it if you just want monopoly it's like all right you probably want the board i game. wonder if the wii u would have done better if it was just called wii with gamepad that's no, that's that'd be worse. That's actually. even more confusing because you're right, now you're yeah, playing it's you're just right. a Wii, a Wii with a gamepad. But never mind, never mind. It was our, that's what people already thought when it was I know, a Wii U. I know, I know. Yeah, that was the wrong. Okay? Tra- that was the wrong direction in my train of thought. Yeah, yeah. So why, why don't you uh, let me recover here and talk oh. a bit about Monopoly? So I mean, I'm already a big fan of Monopoly, and I prefer it when there's like less things to keep track of. So. Mm-hmm. Playing it on a console is like a natural fit for me. Like I loved and playing with my brother and my sister and some other friends, the Super Nintendo version. We've been playing Monopoly since. I remember I got that game for my birthday by from one of my cousins, Monopoly for Nintendo for Super Nintendo. Was it also called just Monopoly for Super? Is there a theme here that I don't know about, or is it just Monopoly for blank? No, I think it was just called Monopoly. Oh, even better. It worse? was just Monopoly. Yeah, all right. And um, yes, yeah, so, I mean you don't manage any of the money. Everything's done for you and. You could skip, like, the animations for characters moving. I mean, it's literally just Monopoly. The only thing that I guess you could say is much more different is that it has a bunch of different um, game modes in it so that you can play with the speed die if you want the game to go by faster. That way, if you get the Monopoly Man on the die, it literally takes you straight to the next unbought property or, like... Oh, that's nice, actually. Yeah, like, like this stuff like that just makes it faster. You could play with, like, extra achievement rules, or mm-hmm. you could play with what they call a live board that just makes everything look more nuts and eye-catching, but honestly, we just played with the regular board just because we just wanted to play Monopoly, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there isn't really much to say. Like, I mean, if you like Monopoly, but... Well, did they fix some of the issues with it? Because there are early reports, like, it load times it took up to, like, seven minutes, oh. and, like, the game was just kind of... 
stuttery and like how um, is it as as never mind so much. I mean, I mean obviously it's a, rep- I mean, a those, digital representation of Monopoly, but how is it as like presentation wise? Like does is it up to snuff? Is it worth forty dollars? Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, by the time I got it, the patch had already gone up to fix the load time, so we didn't have mm-hmm. any of those issues. You can immediately tell it's not running at a smooth frame rate, or maybe just not at 30 frames per second. It's probably running like at 23 or 24. I'm really? not sure. How hard could it be to optimize Monopoly? I don't know. But I mean, it doesn't really bother me. It just like, you could just tell in the beginning and it's like, oh, okay. It yeah. is kind of weird because, like you said, it's just Monopoly. It's not really doing the most impressive things. The thing I find weird is like, even the dice rolling, there's no animation for it. There is. I mean, it's not like you're thinking about like, the whole screen or something, but just like in in the corner, just like two little dice, like, what? Anime, it's like an anime gift or something. When I tried it for like a minute before we had to cut it short the other day, I was rolling the dice. I was shaking the thing to roll the dice, and it didn't really do anything on the screen. It's oh. just like, I don't know what you were doing. Is there normally a whole overlay on the screen for it? Mm, well, I mean, when we were playing, I mean, yeah, like you shake the dice, like there's a little meter on the bottom, like as you're shaking it, so you could feel the HD rumble. And then you I did feel it. the HD rumble. That I meant the visual. But and, the and, HD and, rumble is actually. And then nice. when you, I mean, when you're shaking it, you see the dice shake on the screen, and then when you throw it, the dice like bounce all over the screen like they do in IRL. Man, I feel... You can even knock... I got ripped off in my I experience. Mean, we need to play this again. You can even knock over other people's pieces like with the dice. They bought That's it a to, lot of processing they, power right they, there. They That's bought, why it's 24 frames. They bothered to put that in for some reason. That's actually kind of cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's nice um, everyone being able to use their own controller. You can play with the six people. You can share controllers or you can just like, give everyone their own. I think conceptually the idea of it's really cool. Like the fact that you can have a digital monopoly that you don't need to worry about the pieces as you were saying before and you don't even need extra controls or anything. You can just like pull it out anywhere at any gathering at any time and have it all self-contained on the Switch is actually really Yeah, you just need the right people because I mean not everyone likes Monopoly and the few that do some know for a fact that it's like, all right, this game takes a long time. But you, you pretty much need the right circumstances to play Monopoly. It has to be... Everyone has to be on board with it. Like, all right, you're giving it the next right. hour, two hours, and you may hate someone by the end of it. So, <laughs> yeah, but but it is nice that so. But yeah, but I do. I, yeah, I am happy that it's there and that it is compact. And then I think one of the best thing is, well, you could save up to three. You can have three different games going on at the same time. So oh, right? that's really cool. So you could save them for later, and that's always nice. That's actually. But the other cool thing is that you can also play online with people. So if you have no one to play with, and you're just like, you know what, I want to see what how my monopoly skills are with a random person around the world you can actually do that which I'm actually kind of excited about trying because I mean I've played Monopoly yeah. with friends but like how do other people play I know people can get really good with Monopoly just yeah. I mean with just decision making it is completely random based where you land but making the right decisions selling for the right price and that kind of stuff I mean that definitely takes experience so yeah. I didn't re- so I guess that's what makes it worth like frame rate glitchiness aside me not getting to see my dice roll so it sounds like it's actually a really fully featured package oh, and, yeah. and the thing about Switch is this is perhaps the first time that Digital Monopoly actually has some rhyme or reason because like usually it's confined to a TV but the fact that you could just put the Switch down almost like tabletop mode or whatever and just bust out Monopoly yeah, they even does it have a mode where you can put it down like face up you know like lay it flat and the screen's like a fake board almost I mean that's kind of how the or is that just how that's kind of that's how the presentation is, yeah, when oh, everything's yeah, yeah. moving and stuff. Oh, that's really actually kind of slick. Oh, yeah. So I guess if you're a fan of Monopoly, it seems like a no-brainer way to easily have access to Monopoly. Yeah, definitely. On the on the other side of that coin, of the Monopoly coin, or the Switch coin, Monopoly on Switch coin, is um, Clue Legend of Zelda, which instead of being a board game turned into a video game, turns a video game into a board game. 
I think I could have said that a slower. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is kind of our segue into these three Nintendo themed, uh, board games or card games or physical, tangible games. And you know, in the case of Clue's Legend of Zelda, I mean, we both played it. We played all three of these with a group of friends. Um, and to be very upfront about it, Zelda, Mario, the board game we're about to talk about, Level Up, and the card game we're about to talk about, Power Up, were all provided to us by USAopoly, who also provides us a second set of all three to give away, so we just didn't get that in the open. But honestly, honestly... We're, we're moving on up? Clue, yeah, seriously. But honestly, Clue The Legend of Zelda worked really well. Like, it felt like it's legitimately really good and enhances on normal Clue in some interesting ways. Like, if you played regular Clue before, you kind of know what to expect. I mean, it's it just has kind of a Zelda twist at the surface level. Like, instead of trying to determine who killed, past tense, whom in what room, you are now, with what item, you're now prophesizing who will kill Ganondorf in what part of Hyrule and with which classic Zelda item. And the game's entirely themed around Ocarina of Time, so you're choosing from options like if it was, you know, Darunia the Goron in, uh, say, Gruta Fortress or Impa in the Lost Woods, and, you know, did they do it with the hookshot or the mega hammer? Somehow. <laughs> somehow. And uh, naturally, because, you know, the items are in the game, just like in Real Clue, you get little die-cast which you can use for Monopoly board games. Which you can you use for Monopoly board games because it's all synergetic. If you like don't that. already have Monopoly Zelda, which we do have. You have Monopoly everything. You have Monopoly Mario, Monopoly Zelda, Monopoly Street Fighter. You, weird coincidence with USAopoly reaching out to us. You already were a collector of special edition Monopolies. As long as they're a Nintendo or... Oh, yeah, with a Ninja Turtle Monopoly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But, but yeah, in this case, so they give you these cool little die-cast like, Zelda items. So there's like the hook shot, there's you know Master Sword, there's an itty B adorable bomb chew... It's it's pretty great, and uh, yeah, and the, and the nice thing about it is like you could tell the people who put this together, like did their homework. And uh, I mean, I said it was all you know all Ocarina of Time theme, but like the game board uses custom art that represents the various parts of Hyrule. Like they lay it out to fit. Yeah, it's Ocarina of Time. Yeah, Hyrule but the, and they lay that. it out to fit around a Clue game board. But because of that, they have custom art that is modeled after each realm of Hyrule and each section, which is kind of cool. And it all looks like a hundred percent, hundred percent authentic, like Zelda art. Even though I think USAopoly themselves probably did it. I'm not sure, but and uh, all the items properly match the Ocarina of Time look. There's even little touches, like when you lift the box up, like the liner on the box is like the Triforce seal on it and stuff. It, it's nice. They did a good job. But beyond just aesthetics, um, there's this kind of new layer they added to it by way of special abilities and boss cards. So in normal Clue, you kind of just move around. You try to figure out who's guilty. And that's still true here, but now when you roll the die, one of the ones on the die is a question mark. And if you get that, or if you land on one of the few question mark spots on the board, you pull what they call a boss encounter card. Which, again, someone did their homework on this thing, because they've got a lot of classic Ocarina of Time bosses on these boss cards. And, you know, they the art and everything, it's all there. But anyway, the, the boss card, what it does is it's kind of the clue version of defeating a dungeon boss in Zelda, which means you're rewarded for something, or in some cases, it hurts you, just like if you lose the boss. So on the reward side, depending on the card, you can have stuff like, uh, you know, it can be used immediately or save for later, and you can do things like being able to view a card someone has shown someone else right then and there, or force a player to reveal a card to you, or even just move wherever you want around the board. So when you get this card, you either can do it, like I said, then or there, or save it for when it's more critical. It's kind of what the card tells you. But to kind of mimic the feel of a boss, you're not guaranteed to have success every time. Because you also could end up getting one of eight Ganondorf cards. And if you get 
one through seven of those Gandor cards, whatever. It's as if you tried the boss and you lost and you just need to go do it again. Typical video game thing. But if you get the eighth card, it's all, I wouldn't say it's like a game over, but it's like a pretty bad defeat because now what happens when you get the eighth Ganon? It's almost like in King's Cup when you have the final King's card or whatever. But when you get the eighth Gandorf card, you have to show your hand to everyone playing, which basically means you lose because everyone knows exactly, okay, it's always not this, this, and this. So you still have a chance to guess the correct thing, but you are at a disadvantage because you a can't huge advantage, yeah. yeah, you can't keep your secret anymore, basically, or play things to your favor. So, um, yeah, so there's all that. And then separate from all that is also another la- a layer to it called the personality card system. And depending on the character you choose in the game, when you start it out, you know, there's six, what, six different? Is that the character? I'm trying to remember. Eight, six. Maybe. What, whatever it is. You get a special ability that you can use one time per game that's tied to that character. So like Link, for example, he can move twice if at any time. Well, one time. Or someone like Zelda can question another player even when it's not that person's turn to do so. So like a normal clue, as you may know, for people who play Clue, you move around the board to a location you think is where the attack happened, and then once you're at that location, you could accuse someone and kind of drag them to that location. Like, that's... You need to go to the location to be able to say the location as a guess. That's how you kind of keep the game flowing and keep people moving. But if you're Zelda, you can just, at any time, willy-nilly, one time, be like, hey, um, yeah, I think it was over there. Which is great if you happen to maybe know... Or not, I think it was over there, but I have a question about over there, is what I should yeah. say. Which, you know, is... Handy. You don't want to waste a turn, like, make exactly. trekking over there. You don't there. want to cross the board just for that. They could just yeah. narrow it down either. So, like, essentially... They're essentially boss card effects, but you choose them at the top of the game, and then they kind of add an extra layer in addition to the boss cards themselves. So it's all it's all a lot of fun with a good group, good group of people. I mean, Clue itself already kind of was, but it stands out, I think, from, like, typical Parker Bros or Hasbro board games because Clue in general, I mean, is just, like, this slower burn of a game that requires some thinking some process of elimination you gotta kind of figure out how people are doing read people's poker faces a bit sort of i mean they have to you know if they have a clue they have a clue but they can they can act as if they don't have a card they have to make throw everyone off the trail where something may have happened or throw you know like they'd be like oh i yeah i can't help you with like you know the they might have like hylia and then ask everyone else about like hylia so everyone else thinks like hylia is where it happened but really that person knows it's not so like there's stuff like that i can do so it's it like I said, it's a slower burn, but I think the Zelda version works really well because it's not just Clue, but it adds these more interesting layers that one just look cool. It's all Zelda themes, it's already nice. But two, it actually makes the game a little more interesting. There's more stuff going on, there's more elements of activity to it, so to speak. Yep. So not yeah. to just say everything about Clue, but I think I just said everything about Clue. <laughs> but I mean, is there anything I missed? I'd seen No, it's just pretty much that that it just takes a I guess like an already like vanilla game and just like spices it up and a solid uh, vanilla game, yeah, a very yeah. good, a no, very no, yeah. savory. Well, yeah, vanilla. it's a classic, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, but yeah, it adds a little. It's never gonna die, but no, yeah. I, I just thought it was funny that um that you brought up King's Cup because um um cup pong, well I don't even know um beer pong, beer pong, yeah beer pong. Um, we're all adults here, yeah. Um, <laughs> because I kind of I guess this kind of reminds me of that in the sense that um reminds me of beer pong. Well, be- yeah, it'll make sense then, Zuck. Okay. Yeah, because you know how with another group of friends, um, we added our Mario rules to Beer Pong because the mm. regular rules just kind of got boring to us, so we spiced it up. So if you play as Mario, you get to do instant fireball. If you do, like, Luigi, you get a very slightly variation right, of the right. fireball. If you get Donkey Kong, you have, like, the barrel. So one cup has, like, HP, essentially. Don't drink if you're underage, kids. Continue. But, yeah. So, <laughs> so just, like... So it's kind of the, so Zelda, the same, same yeah, idea. Just, like, Zelda spicing up a game with... 
yeah, it's to true. make it more interesting. It's true. It's it's and it's it's also just really nicely presented. Like they call it a collector's edition, and it does feel premium. Like they did a good job, and it's a cool package. I haven't seen a regular edition. Though. I don't think there is a regular edition, but that's because the collector's edition is just that special. No, but honestly, <laughs> it's it's a cool package. It's um, if you like clue if you like board games, it's worth checking out. But if you're looking for something a little more fast paced, perhaps, or maybe something totally different from what you've ever played before, there's also the Super Mario Level Up board game. Which, this is an entirely original board game by USAopoly, just be upfront about it. And at first glance... We there, underestimated it. Yeah, there seems sure. to be a lot going on. Like, you have this multi-level board you put together, there's all these character pieces on it. Uh, more than you would think would be playing the game, there's like 10 characters on there. Like, how are 10 people playing this? And then there's some voting mechanic to determine a winner, and it all just comes off kind of like, what? But, as unusual as it looks at first glance and sounds, it turns out, as you learn rather quickly, because the game itself moves much quicker than, say, Clue, it's a lot of fun, it's surprisingly strategic, and it's really actually quite unique. Like, I don't think I've ever played anything quite like this. Like, like there's, like, there's a lot going on in it. So, like, I guess I'll just walk through how it works, since we, someone has to explain it, because it's completely new. So, ultimately... Sure. Yeah. Ultimately, what you're uh, trying to do here is earn the most points possible. So each level on the board, because again, it's a multi-step board, has a different point value. There's zero at the bottom, there's one through five for the middle five rows, and then there's ten at the top. And at the start of the game, you draw what they call a lineup card that shows which six Mario characters, which range from the likes of, you know, Mario and Luigi to Waluigi and Magic Koopa. But you get this list of which of these characters will determine your score at the end of each round. Like, it lists off six, you want to get as many points as possible for those six, if you can. And then uh, the score is tallied specifically based on where each of your six characters are at the end of that round. And it's the process of getting them into those spots that really is what makes the game what it is and all the strategy that comes with it and all that. So there's actually two halves to this game. There's two phases, as they call it. I know. There's so much strategy that we just learned over. Yeah. Yeah, like at one point, like in the beginning on our first few plays, we're like, all right, cool. We want to get a lot of points. So let's stack our characters as close to the top as possible. But then we later learned that we you can, don't want to do that. that we can sabotage each yeah. other. It's like, all right, my card doesn't have Toad in it, so I'm going to move Toad all the way to the top. Very early on. Or very early on, so that... Because I know, f- Yeah, because I know for a fact people are going to veto him, and they're going to take him off the board entirely, therefore eliminating some people's nose, eliminating him as a character, and making it more likely that my characters will get more point value overall. So ex- to explain the vetoing and the nose and the moving to the top thing a bit, uh, because, again, it's one of those things I know is played. So that's all I part you just of... just explained everything. No, I just explained you have to get into the top. I didn't say anything about voting yet, but oh. I'm about to. No, it's fine. But uh, yeah, so how it works is there's the two phases. There's the placement phase, which is where you initially, one by one, pick where you want the individual characters to go. Then comes the movement phase, which is where players are able to move the character of their choosing one per turn up the ladder of the board, so to speak. And this keeps going until someone moves a character up to the level 10 spot, the very top of the board, and at that point, the game switches to this voting system that Angel alluded to, where you have to decide, using special cards that say yes or no, whether everyone unim- unanimously agrees that the character at the top of the board is the so-called champion of that round. Yeah, and if they're the champion, pretty big deal. It's yes, because yeah. if they're the champion, that ends the round, and you have to tie every character placed on the entirety of zero to ten on those steps. So at that point, if you say yes to champion, you are locking in your points. If you say no, champion. And if even a single person says no champion, that top character is off completely, like completely removed, and other characters can start moving around again one player per, you know, one character per player per turn. So the voting system that he was talking about, like you want to sneak up Toad to the top 
you know, maybe you want to get him up very early to knock him out because he's on your card, or maybe you keep him down at one for a long time, then very slowly and casually scoot him up. Those are the types of strategies you need to think about because you're not just trying to get the highest points, you're trying to get the best total of points. So you may be better off, what I found for me at least, hope you don't remember this when we play this later tonight, but what I found for me at least is I tend to like to keep him more in the middle and then just get a healthy number of points in the middle than necessarily get someone to the very top or leave them at the very bottom. But some people, when we played last time, would keep trying to get their character up to the 10 spot. Cause like, oh, 10's great. I kept 10, 4, 3, 3, 3, 1, or something like that. But you maybe you're better off having 5, 5, 5, 4, 4. Or, you know, there's all sorts of different combinations. Or yeah, 4, 4, yeah. 3, 3. So it's that whole strategy of figuring that all out. I love that by our, like, our last game, we were all like making the bottom of the staircase very bottom heavy. Like, everyone, yeah. like no one wants to put anything near the top because we didn't want to risk our characters getting forced there by other characters. And yeah, you also need a factor in power ups, which we haven't even touched on. Yeah, so, so you could get a power up that lets you bring back one of those said vetoed characters. Right. So, like, and that happened to me once. Um, Toad was vetoed off, and I eventually brought him back, and I was able to salvage one point from it, which is, better which is a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, the way the power ups work is you when you place the characters in the movement phase, you can have up to four characters per row at any one time, both movement and um, or not movement placement and movement phase. Sorry. So when you set up the placement phase, where you're putting the characters down initially, you can have up to four per row, and it remains a max of four per row. But at the end of that placement phase, where there are gaps, where there are not four characters in a row, you put these little question block cardboard pieces, cards. And as you move your way up in the movement phase, if you land on a row that has a question block, you take that, and it has any number of things. You can get, you know... um, like a red shell that will knock you down a level, an ice flower that will make you skip your next turn, which you, Angel, I think got like three of <laughs> or something. You had a bad streak with those. Uh, you can get good ones, one that lets you, you know, maybe move a second time or one that lets you earn a coin that adds to your tally at the end of the game. Or the best of all is if you get these, the Starman, which gives you a power-up card. And this is a whole separate set of power-ups that are more meaningful or impactful. So these are things like you can swap places between any two characters. You can bring back a character that died. That sort of stuff. It's a lot more substantial. So in addition to having the strategy of figuring out where to put your characters at any one time, which by the way, we didn't even get into the fact that if there's only four characters per row and you need to move one of your characters up a row and that row's full, you have to think which character should I move up from the row that's full to free up a space from yeah, that will not hurt me as badly as Because you can only others. move up. You can only move you down. You can only move up. You can only move down. The yeah, power yeah, with the yeah. power up. So. so there's like a lot going on. They have this added random element of chance through the power up cards. Not really random element of chance, but like, you know, any good board game has an element of luck, luck to it. That's. Yeah, shakes it up, adds hype. Exactly. So that, so since there's no dice rolling or anything like that in level up, they do it through the power up system and it works well and it feels very Mario-y as a result. Like it really feels like, it's like the board game version of Mario Kart in terms of how the power ups are integrated. Like, you know, you get one, you just land on one and then something happens to you. It could be good or bad or you can make something happen to someone else depending on how powerful of a power up you get. So it's all this stuff going on at once and it, it's really a lot of fun. Like we were all very, we had a group of five of us playing at one point, and I don't think any of us anticipated it being this good. Like, it looked fun. It looked a little confused, but it looked fun. But no, it's really, really fun. Yeah. Looks, don't let looks deceive you. This, this is definitely the one that I would, like, probably recommend the most just yes. on the fact that, like, you probably haven't played any game like this. Like, everyone might have played Clue at one point, and mm-hmm. unless you really like Zelda, definitely get Zelda Clue. But this is the one that I would actually say, like, check it out if you like, like, short games that you could play, like, in within 30 minutes with a group of friends. 
Yeah. No, oh, it's really great. Yeah, it, it's like, it's my favorite of the bunch. I mean, it's the right mix of speed and strategy and uniqueness. It fits Mario well, like I was saying with how Mario Kart works. Oh, we didn't even talk about, there's a whole nother level of strategy. The no cards that we were saying when you vote characters off, oh, yeah. you have a limited number of those. So you need to be strategic with when you use them. Yeah, like, and depending on the power-up you get, you can actually force someone to vote before everyone else because you all put them down at once, right? Yeah. Um, and you can make someone put it down first. So if you see they have a no, you know to save your no and you can use a yes, which is forever. Yeah, all no's are limited. There's actually a lot of things that people do and something like I know I've done is like I'll move someone else's character to the top hoping and kind of knowing that everyone's going to – like he's going to get vetoed. So I vote yes on them. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a risky move, but sure enough, like two other people put no. So it's like, all right, cool. I saved my no, got rid of a character. Yeah. And so, then, and then at the end, when everyone's like, all right, cool, I'm going to move my character up. Oh, there's my no out of nowhere because I still had it. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like with this game in particular, level up specifically looks can be deceiving because it's, you know, generic 3D Mario art, which is nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. So you got it's, your, your Super Mario 3D world yeah. art, your Mario Party art. Like the board you looks like Bowser, the Mushroom Kingdom and Bowser's the top. wallpaper war. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of Peach. Yeah, the board fun. looks like a Mushroom Kingdom with like Peach's castle at the top. Like it's pretty standard 3D Mario. So, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's Mario, but it's not like Clue Zelda where it was really like, wow, this is, they really did a good job of theming it. This one's just like, yep, it's Mario. That's cool. But so there's that, and it's twenty dollars, which seems you know, which is actually a really good price for what it is. And you're just kind of surprised by how good it is. Well, I think would have been really nice, but I understand why at twenty dollars they didn't do it. The characters are all cardboard cutouts, so it would have been kind of cool if they were little plastic guys. I get why they're not. It's not like knocking the game for it. It's just a, no, a we desire. Could do, we mind. could use our amiibo. We could use amiibo. Yeah, if you get, every character but it Magic might be too Koopa, big, but yeah. every character but Magic Koopa has an amiibo. I actually looked this up because I or confirmed because I just thought yeah, just replace it with Rosalina, it. and you're good. Yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, so just saying, that's an option for you out there. But no, seriously, this is my favorite of the bunch by far. So mm-hmm. so that's level up. And um, while well, I completely understand the choice of using 3D Mario Art for level up, personally, I like the 8-bit aesthetic of the third game we got, Curse of USAopoly, which is the Super Mario Power Up card game. and Or probably the better way to say that would be Super Mario Power Up card game. And um, I think weirdly enough, in terms of just the look and feel, this one's actually my favorite. Like, the box you get is 1-1 from the original Mario. Like, it has the castle and everything on it. And then when you open it, inside the box is 1-2, level 1-2. You know, the underground. Like, it has little sprites on the side of the inner part of the box of, like, Mario running underground. And it's very well... And, like, the sides of the box, which are just blue, have, like, Mario, I think, swimming. Like, sprites have been swimming. Like, it's just because it's water. Like, it's just really well done and the cards themselves are also really nice with pixel art and of enemies and levels and it's just also crisp and clean and it looks good just sitting on a shelf like it's like a compact box it's really nicely done and uh much like 8-bit mario being a simpler form of the mario franchise compared to say the modern 3d mario you could say the power up card game is a significantly simpler game than level up the board game or even zelda clue was and I think part of that can be attributed to it being strictly a card game because, you know, there's only so much you can do with cards. But even then, it's still relatively simple. So how it works is that you have – you start with four lives, and they're represented by these little 8-bit Mario cardboard cutout things. And you lose one each time you have the lowest numbered card of anyone in a particular round. Now, these numbered cards are called level cards, and at the start of each turn – Every player is given one by the dealer. Each player, going, I think, counterclockwise, can then trade their card to the person to their left. So you know what your card is. Like, I know mine's level 2. I don't know if the person to my left has level 3 or level 10 or level whatever. 
but they probably don't have level one. So it'd be in my best interest to trade them. But that that's kind of like the little mini gamble you play whenever you choose to trade. And, you know, so the thing of like, it's basically playing the odds. And then once the trading circle goes full circle back to the dealer, he or she then has the option to pull a second level card from the deck to swap out their current level card. So they get one last like go at saving themselves if they end up with a bad card from the person to their right. It's kind of like a Hail Mary of sorts for them. But whether they choose to swap or not, it's in everyone's turn to flip over their cards. And at that point, you know what everyone has, and you can then alter a person's card number using a hand, uh, like using your hand of these special power-up cards that either increase or decrease that person's level number. So these cards, these low, these power-up cards, are distributed at the start of each round, one per player, and they sometimes. Um, go beyond just letting you change a number. Like it could be things like uh, you have to swap a card with someone or you can draw a new level card entirely. So there's a little more to it than just like I'm adding two to you, I'm taking away 10. But ultimately or all you're doing- make someone zero outright? Yeah, or make someone zero outright. But like ultimately all you're doing is adjusting the numbers that are on the board and then whoever or on the table in front of you and whoever ends up with the lowest score loses one of their four lives. And then you repeat this process until one person and You're losing the little Mario chips. Board. Yeah, or those little cardboard chips. And whoever loses all four first loses the game. That's about it. That, like I said, it's really simple. It's it's very reliant, more so than level up or clue. It's very reliant on luck. If you have a big group, I could see some level of strategy, perhaps, with uh, who you choose to attack, because the numbers could be very close. But even then, it's it's definitely a simpler game. I think it's perfect for kids, probably. Yeah, this is a game I would probably play with kids. Especially, yeah. like, cause it's like I have a go fish fight. Yeah, because all the games are for eight and up, but I feel like this one more than any other one is definitely better suited for the eight. It's also, eight it also crowd. can be played very fast. It takes ten, we played around in ten minutes. Like, it's ten to thirty minutes what the box is, but we did it in ten for at least one go round. And that's perfect for the attention span of a kid, honestly, so. And you could do a lot of rounds of it too if you choose to. But yeah, it's, it's not, cause the whole, the whole mechanism of the game is about deduction, like taking people's points away like it's literally a game of deduction i think it says on the box um so yeah there's definitely you know it's not like high level math for us or anything but yeah i could see kids having a good time with it or playing it with kids being fun or even or even if you're in with a group that's competitive and likes to target specific people you can probably have some shenanigans with this but yeah it's it's um the simplest of the three by far i'd say yeah yeah but it doesn't seem as bad it's just not geared towards us as much as say clue or level up are so so with that unless there's anything else you want to add about any of them no that's pretty much everything yeah there there you go those are the three physical games and four virtual games that are uh great picks to play with your family as we go into the holidays um and to help you down that path and in celebration of our sixth anniversary we're giving a bunch of them away a bunch of those games away so thanks to the gang at usaopoly as we mentioned, uh, they have provided us with copies of all three physical games that we discussed. That's Clue, Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Level Up, and the Super Mario Power Up card game. And we are giving one copy of each away in a prize pack. Um, to be clear, these are new copies. These aren't the ones we opened and played. We got a second sealed set we're giving away. So you don't get our hand-me-downs of already punched-out characters, cardboard characters on Level Up. You get fresh, ready-to-be-punched-by-you characters on Level Up. Um, plus... That's not all this prize package comes with. As regular listeners of the show may know, two episodes ago, Angel and I made a bet that I'd have the main story of Mario Odyssey beat by now, or it'd be a $10 eShop gift card going to one of our listeners. And uh, so I'm 12 hours into the game, but because I'm taking my time, 
and getting all my moons along the way beyond what's necessary, I I may not have actually beat the game yet. So Yeah, there's no excuses. Well, hold on. How many hours did it take you to beat it? What was your playtime when you were done beating it? I don't know. Initially. Like nine? Okay, I'm at twelve. And I'm still going through it. So clearly I'm doing something. Like, I'm nowhere near. I'm not at the end. I'm in the second half, but I'm not at the end. Like, well into the second half. Yeah, but how many hours are you in? Twelve. Yeah, see, I feel like... Because I'm going... So, but I'm, now, I'm not at the no, same No, 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 no. Twelve is fine. I just mean that... Like, I mean, if you had played, like, maybe, like, an hour or so every day, you could have had, like, maybe 30 hours under your belt. Well... Just uh, an hour. Just an hour. I, I guess, but that but would I probably mean, be free every day. Regardless, know, that's here's what, the deal. People are busy sometimes. And Jason just here's the deal. I'll, I'll, I'll take the L, as the kids say. And the point is, we, uh, we've got that eShop credit to give away, along with the games. And since it's our anniversary and all, we're both ponying up the $10 surprise. And you guys are getting a $20 eShop gift card in the same prize bundle as those three board games. So it's perfect. Really, the, the gift shop, uh, the eShop card is perfect for checking out the multiple Switch games we talked about this episode and share impressions of. So like all those, minus Monopoly, are under $20. So you can get one, if not two, if you choose to do Astro Duel. Like, you have options. So, if you want all that, if you want Zelda Clue, Mario Level Up, Mario Power Up, and the eShop credit for $20, it's our big, it's actually our biggest contest ever. It is nearly $100 in prizes. We've never quite hit this high of a number. But anyway, if you want to enter, just go to the blog post for this episode. That's episode 164, Let's Get Physical, at roundtown.com. Scroll down to the comment section of that specific blog post and tell us your favorite game to play with family during the holidays. That's all it takes. Board game, video game, Nintendo, not Nintendo, whatever it want, whatever it may be, we want to hear it. And we will give one commenter the prize package. So go enter because it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's cool stuff. And the winner will then be announced in our next episode, which hits on December 10th. It's actually a pretty big episode in its own right, even without the contest because we're going to have, uh, our full Animal Crossing Pocket Camp impressions, Doom, uh, Rive Ultimate Edition, and a lot more. Some of those games we promised would be in this episode, but then, you know, we had a cool theme going, so we shuffled them down the road a little. So we'll have impressions of all that, maybe Rocket League. So all that's coming on December 10th. Uh, to make sure you don't miss it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Google Play, on TuneIn, on uh, Stitcher, all sorts of podcasting apps. Whatever you use, we're there. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're also between reminders to enter the contest if you're listening now. Like, I should do that, but I'm driving. Don't worry. If you follow us on Twitter, you will be reminded. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you do that. You can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7. He's Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. But lastly, before we go, I feel like a thank you is in order. As we've noted, this episode marks six years of the Ramtail podcast. We've gone we, – we sort of touched on this before, but it's true. We've gone from – the days when the 3DS was the hot new thing and the Wii U was still in the future to Wii U being the not-so-hot thing and Switch being in the future to Switch now being the hot thing and, I don't know, the Mario movie by the Minions guys is in the future? Toad starring Kevin Hart is in the future? Something's in the future. We'll find out because we're going to keep going. But in that time, it's been a really fun ride. Like, we truly appreciate all of you. I think I speak on Angel's behalf, too, but he can tell me if I don't. But we truly appreciate all you guys tuning in at any point of this journey from, you know, whether it's episode one, episode 161, wherever along the way you came in, thank you. Like, thank you for listening to the show, for reading our extra articles on the site, for commenting, for tweeting, for whatever it is that you did and or do. Like, we really do appreciate it. We, we obviously, as you can tell from me doing it right now, love to just ramble about Nintendo and can do it all day. But it's knowing that there are people out there, like, on the other side of this recording that kind of makes it feel so worthwhile and so much fun to do. So... We leave you with that. 
thank you again. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Just to what Jason said. Cool. And one more reminder, guys. Go enter our contest. Win all those wonderful things. There are a lot of them. Games and money and more games. And we'll see you in two weeks.